you've arrived at Earth 919. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earth 919, a comic book podcast for a number of reviews and comic book news. I'm your host, Matt. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother, Ian. It's a sad day. Sad day indeed, Matt. Sad day. Well, way to pull the rug out from under me. I had a very upbeat tone and then you just bring it down with something so somber we're gonna have a good day though even though it's a sad day we're gonna end on a good note and it's gonna be a good day so i'm glad to be here and yeah let's jump into it i guess if you're ready are you ready journey what is this journey you're taking me on yeah i'm ready it's gonna be an emotion it's gonna be an emotional roller coaster but i'm prepared if you are so let's do it uh you know what we're gonna take this journey together uh, but we'll uh, we'll reveal what this week's episode is about in a second here after we do some shout-outs. Alrighty, so shout-outs for this week. We got quite a few this week, actually, which is really good because I always like to do them. So first up, we have shout-out goes to number one, More Gooder Than Podcast, at MGT Podcast. They review old movies, retro movies, new movies. They're just a funny podcast, and thank you guys so for supporting us and we're actually talking about a potential crossover with them soon so keep on the lookout for that i also want to give a shout out to two peas on a pod uh their handle is at two piece pod on twitter thanks for uh, mentioning us on your show this week guys we appreciate it next shout out is to nerds ground jake jake he won our venom giveaway so you can follow him yeah jake you can follow him at nerd Gra- at nerd nerd grounds on Twitter. Wow, that's hard to say. Uh, so thanks for winning our giveaway, and make sure you follow him. And finally, our last shout out goes to at Comics the Gathering. Uh, they are a comic book shop in Tacoma, Washington, home of Earth 919's comic book box. Whether you're looking for an entrance into comics or a haven for your new titles, owners Matt and Jesse can help you find exactly what you're looking for. You can follow the shop on Instagram and Twitter at Comics the Gathering, or you can hit them up on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash comics the gathering. Remember, come for the comics and stay for the games. That's all I got, Matt. All right, let's get into some news here. Uh, we've got the... Rick Grimes, Andrew Lincoln, has been uh, in The Walking Dead since season one, so now they're in season, like, 35, I think? How old is he now? Like, a thousand? <laughs> He's aged a thousand years. I know, seriously. Uh, unfortunately, they he didn't know that it was a lifelong contract. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> now he has uh, seemingly been dispatched in the series, only to be, drumroll, Ian, AMC is now producing two, count them, two Walking Dead movies because they thought, what do people want more of? The same thing. So now there will be two full-blown movies? I don't know if they're TV movies or... Uh, did the story say that, to go that in, into that, Ian? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's pretty vague at this point, Matt. I don't think anybody really knows, but they're maybe, movies. They're supposed maybe, to be movies. I don't think it's going to be... Maybe. It's not going to be something like the... What's that movie that came up from Marvel's? The Inhumans, that garbage movie that everybody hated, that Talon was the only one in the movie theater that saw it. Um, it might end up like that, but I don't, I don't foresee that. Andrew Lincoln, I think, is the guy's name that plays Rick Grimes. Yep. He's a pretty big actor now, or he's gotten pretty big due to this role, so I would imagine if they're going to do a movie, 
he's going to want it to be something that actually centers around him, that has a good plot, that he feels might actually make some money. But I think the market on the zombie thing is oversaturated, and it's kind of played out. So I don't understand why they're giving this to us. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the numbers, Matt, about The Walking Dead in the recent seasons that they've had, but this last season that they had has been their lowest viewership to date. The you se- say it's a zombie of a show? It's becoming a Walking Dead, the people who are still watching the show. Um, the last, the season nine premiere, which I think was the last season, was the lowest, like, view, lowest viewed episode that they had ever had of their show. So, and that was the season premiere. So, I don't really think that a movie's going to revive this franchise, but they seem to think so, Matt. They seem to think Man. they got it all figured out. So, good luck to you guys, AMC. But I, Ian. I'm not really big on the comics either. Are you, Matt? Do you like the comics? No. Uh, no, the comics is really good still, actually. It's actually very good when I read it. But I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago, I wait for like three or four trades to come out, and then I just blow through those. Um, Ian, unfortunately, Andrew Lincoln has not been a man about town. He has not been doing much work. Uh, his last gig was Strike Back in 2010. Nice. Sounds uh, then really he's been doing the walking. totally heard of that. He's do, been doing The Walking Dead for 103 episodes, which is nice. incredible. Forever. And then uh, he did Red Nose Day Actually, which was a te- uh, television short, which I think is a fundraising mm. thing. Uh, he made an appearance on Robot Chicken on a Walking Dead episode. Nice. And then he did a singular episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Oh. Um, so this is kind of the only, uh, uh, how, how do you say, uh, poker in the fire, or what do we call it? It's kind it's it's of like a one-trick pony. Uh, yeah, one-trick zombie. Anyways. Put it on the poll. Uh, not... quick, put it on the poll. What's better, The Walking Dead comic, The Walking Dead show? Let's see oh, how that's going to be the comic by far. I don't, far I don't know. We'll see, man. We'll see. I will be so disappointed in our listenership and our Twitter friends if they say anything other than that. I will disown you. Oh, you heard it here. Well, Ian, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, who we'll be talking about here shortly, will uh, is now rumored to be playing Lobster Johnson in the Hellboy movie. So he he actually said in an interview, I filled something last year can't really talk about it but it's a superhero movie but it's not like a superhero movie like he pretty much just said he was in hellboy uh are you excited for this i'm excited you're i'm excited you're the more uh you're probably the more hellboy versed person in this group so why don't you uh why don't you give us a little briefing on who lobster johnson is i have no idea who lobster johnson is (laughs) i can't believe you were gonna go to me with that i've read three or four hellboy trades and i've not gotten that far but oh okay uh which i mean for anybody who is listening that's probably three or four more trades than matt has read but yep i don't know who this is but i would be excited for anything that's coming to the hellboy universe and mike mignola writing the story so i know that he's going to properly incorporate this character obviously he feels that he's the one that's fit to the bill of this movie so we'll see um yeah i'd don't really have too much to add, honestly, on this one. Matt, you got uh, any interesting introspective thoughts? Did you look up something on what's his name? Lobster Johnson, Lobster Smith, Tom, Lobster Johnson, <laughs> Long John Silver, and uh, no, I, I he's a great actor, and actually, we're, again, we'll be talking about him again shortly, so I'll reserve some thoughts for there and his uh, acting ability. But 
Uh, still, I just want to see a teaser for this movie. That's all I want. That's all I care about. That's all I need. Put it on the poll. Is uh, Lobster Johnson a known character, or is it Lobster Smith? Now I'm confused. What's his name again? Lobster Johnson. Okay, is Lobster Johnson is Lobster Johnson a known character? That's the poll question. I think he is. If you're a fan of, we'll Hellboy, see. But... We'll see what the poll comes back is, Matt. We'll let the, we'll let the listeners decide. Okay. Well, you can put another poll up there. Is it really a big deal if Eggsy is not in the new Kingsman movie, which is not a Kingsman movie three? Mm. He's not going to be in there. So this came out. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. I don't care. I don't care about a Kingsman. I don't care about prequel Kingsman. I, I do you care about Kingsman, Ian? Um, it's not that I don't care about Kingsman. I don't have enough exposure to Kingsman to really put an opinion out, honestly. Saw the first movie once, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, and the second one looked kind of cheesy, but once it comes out on Netflix or Hulu, honestly, I'm sure that the second movie is going to be the type of movie that you're going to see on, like, FX in, like, a year or so. You know, it's going to be that tier of movie. So, Mm -hmm. once it's on there, maybe I'll watch it, give it a watch, but, um, I, I don't know, it's, it's... It's one of those things where I'd be interested to check out the source material, but everybody tells me the source material isn't very good, so I'm kind of like, well, then why am I watching this? Why am I? Why would I look into it? But um, I'm still probably going to honestly check out the second one, and I'll still see the third movie, honestly, because the first one was enough to intrigue me, especially the ending, and I like Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, well, he's only in the first I one. I know he is. But- yeah, it kind of people freaked out because they're like, "Oh, he's not in the second movie or the next movie." Well, the next movie is the prequel one with Ralph Fiennes, so of course he's not going to be in there. Okay, well, Ian, the least compelling character in Rogue One is now getting his own prequel series that is casting Andor. He is going to get his own show on Disney Plus. Who's not excited? This guy, I could totally care less. But Ian, what do you think? Are you excited? Blown away? We had. We had months of speculation about the name of the streaming service, and then they ended up just taking the same name that ESPN has for their streaming service because they own ESPN. That's kind of disappointing. I thought it was going to be something cooler. But Cassian Andor, does he excite me? Does he get me out of bed? No. He is boring. He is got bad facial hair, and he was not compelling in Rogue One, and I don't really care to see his uh, character make any development in the streaming or whatever it's called, the new TV show that's coming out. I'll be interested to see if they add any characters, though, from Rogue One, if there's any more characters that are added to it. That might make me more interested in the show. And kind of the plot line or the storyline that develops about the show might make me more interested. But right now, you just throw out his name and you say he's attached to a show. Not a fan. Not excited. (laughs) Well, how excited does it make you that Jeremy Irons is going to be playing Ozymandias in the uh, Watchmen sequel HBO series coming out here? Ozymandias? You said that weird. Okay. You said that weird. Okay. It's all right, though. Am I excited? Uh, Well, pre-show, Matt and I were discussing who Jeremy Irons is, so Either I know him know. as Alfred from Batman vs. Superman. Um, Yeah, I guess. Um not really excited. I'm kind of scared for the show. It's a show, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm scared for the show. Honestly, we'll see. Uh, you know how much I love Watchmen, 
but this is one of those things that they're doing whatever they can to capitalize on Watchmen, and they're going to keep it going for as long as they can. Eh, I don't know. Osmond Deus isn't really a character that intrigues me either in the series. He's pretty bland. What do you think about it, Matt? Is it? Yeah. I know you're not <laughs> huge on Watchmen. Him and, him and Cassie and Andor should have their own prequel TV show on Disney+. Plus. That's, uh, that's my level of excitement on that. Yeah, just put them together. They can both be like a, um, just an odd couple, something like that. You know, they live in an apartment on Corellia, and they're uh, they're just two guys, two guys working it out, making it through life. That'd be awesome. Or you can make like a real world situation. One has you know? virtually no impact on the world around him, and one is a super genius who murdered all his friends for nothing. It's just kind of weird that they're doing this yeah. HBO show. It's a sequel, but there's also the comic book, which is a sequel. So are they taking cues from each other? Like, how is this? I don't know. It's just this very confusing time in the world of Watchmen. Also very confusing in a time where we're getting a Detective Pikachu movie, uh, which we had a trailer for. Now, this isn't normally... I mean, I guess Pokemon have been in comics. I just want to talk about Detective Pikachu because this this thing looks very interesting. Um, but Ian, uh, you saw it and you had a reaction that I think you should share with the group here. Well, my reaction was when I watched it. Honestly, I think my initial reaction is being skewed, Matt, from our initial interaction with each other. I enjoyed the trailer that I saw, honestly. It looks pretty good it looks really well detailed however i do think pikachu looks like ted and that was a little creepy even the way that he interacts with the trainer reminded me of ted and mark Wahlberg. so we'll see if that movie takes cues from ted at all detective pikachu that is um regardless i'm gonna watch it it looks like it's really well done surprisingly and they put a lot of effort into it but it also does look a little cheesy and I just don't know how interesting a story about a Pikachu that only one person can understand is going to be. Especially if it's not like a trainer and there's no fighting. Um, you know, is it going to re- rely heavily on comedy? Is it a PG-13 movie? What What is this? Uh, I think it's still too early to kind of tell. I but What do you... You had different reactions than I had. What do you think? Uh, I loved it. I thought it was actually really good. I was not... I can't say my expectations were really anything it was just that's kind of weird that they're making that movie i thought ryan reynolds is supposed to be the live action main character i guess i didn't realize that he was going to be voicing pikachu oh um, yeah but what do you think of the jigglypuff and the pokemon that we saw jigglypuff looks Did great you think it was all done yeah the charizard good, right? is probably my favorite part uh but i and i've seen it on twitter now which i mean it should have been everybody's first thought gotta see a squirtle gang Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I'd be interested to see from the Pokemon world getting adapted in, like, in a movie. I'd be interested to see like a Pokemon Center. Mm-hmm. Oh, How yeah. do do that with the Chanseys and stuff like that. I think that'd be pretty cool. And just seeing how Pokemon and humans interact with each other uh, in like the real world type setting, I think it's going to be kind of cool. And I think it's really interesting that Pokemon's gotten the second life just as a franchise. But, uh, yeah, man, movies, Pokemon Go, it, it's awesome. And, I mean, I got my little Pikachu plush right next to me. Love Pikachu. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's just so yeah, weird. Yeah, you got anything it's, else on this one? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's just so, like, out of left field. But, I mean, who knows? You All think right. so, really? You think it's out of left field? Yeah, just a little bit. I think they're banking on the market, man. I think they're banking on how big it's gotten recently. Hey, they can expand this into different brands than or different areas of the brand, then by all means. Uh, let's move on to our biggest piece of news. Uh, the saddest bit of news is that the, the man, myth, the legend, Stan the Man Lee, has passed away at 95 uh, this week. Uh, Cue the violin music. Very, very sad. Uh, not unexpected, unfortunately. He's aforementioned 95. Uh, mm. Good long life um ian i i uh i don't have much more to say it's just uh it's very sad he lived a left a huge body of work ian uh that we can go through here in a second but um what did uh what do you think what you pro are you pro or con uh well i guess i don't i don't know what you would you say pro or con <laughs> that's an interesting question um You're just I'm... using fox news tactics no, I'm just <laughs> I guess you could say that I'm using those tactics. No, I'm honestly here's how I feel. When I me and Talon, friend of the show Talon, who's on episode one hundred, go check out episode one hundred if you haven't listened to that. You can hear him. Um we met Stan Lee at Comic Con, what was it, two years ago now? And when we saw him two years ago, man, he looked he looked like he was slowing down, you know. Um he had like a little walker in the corner and stuff. And uh, I felt pretty bad, honestly, after I met him. And uh, he was super nice, honestly. He he spoke with me for, you know, 30, 40 seconds, the brief interaction that I had with him, you know. And um, he was super nice. He answered, he deflected my question, whether, what was his favorite Marvel movie? He didn't want to answer that question, but that's all right. And uh, I just felt bad because he was so old, you know. And I've always and wondered you, this question. And you were stealing and, a vial of his blood <laughs> to use for right? signatures. No, you were no, literally really. pump. You were literally pumping it out of him into a pen in front of him as he signed your card. No, really. I I I wonder in Stanley's life why he felt the need at the age of ninety five to continue to be going to these comic cons. You know, I I do I do seriously wonder that why why at that old of an age was he really that keen on giving back to the fans? Was there something else going was. behind behind the scenes? You know, because we there are some rumors about certain things. So, um. On that level, it's kind of sad, but I'm really, really glad that he was in our lives and he gave us, you know, the characters that we've gotten from him. But, um, yeah, I'm glad I got to meet him when I did. It was really, really nice. And, um, yeah, he couldn't really see, which was sad. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, um, he couldn't read comics in the past, probably, I think, the past five years. And, uh, yeah, I think what you were saying, Ian, he's, I think he, uh, you know, I think he just did, he was an ambassador for comics to the world. And he really, I think he wore that sash very proudly and, you know, just, I mean, probably not a perfect guy. I think he, you know, as you mentioned, there's, there's a lot that was going on in his life towards the end, but, uh, really just always was out there with a great attitude, um, just doing everything he can to bring the comics world to the forefront. And, uh, he is, it's a huge, huge, uh, void that he'll be leaving now and uh i'm I'm sure as i'm sure anybody else i mean there's 10 bajillion different uh uh, what do you call those um dedication things or 
not memoirs. Well, I, man, I am stumbling with words this week. Like memoriam, like the memoriam. Yeah, in memoriam, like you know stuff like that. And yeah. uh, but I I thought it would be good just to talk briefly about kind of his his start, what he did, um, and you know more no more briefly than he was originally going to leave comics. Uh, he was it was timely at the time. He was going to be done. He 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 always wanted to be a writer, like a well respected. American author. Uh, that's why he used Stan Lee. He just split his first name in two because he wanted to save Stan, save Stan Lee Uris as his uh, his author his you know his novel name. Uh, and he was about to quit, and his wife encouraged him. You know, just go do a story. Uh, do do what you would want to do. Just do just one more time. And him and Jack Kirby created the Fantastic Four. And then nothing has really ever been the same since then. Um, he introduced a lot of serialized comics, flawed characters. I mean, he, he created Spider-Man, you know, jointly with St- Steve Ditko, who passed away this year as well. Um, and the Fantastic Four, Incredible Hulk, X-Men, Daredevil. I mean, he, he is just Doctor so... Strange. Doc Strange. Well, there's many, many more. I mean, Black mm-hmm. Panther, it goes on and on and on. He had a huge hand in what we have as a as a pop culture. We none of this would exist if he. Um, how much credit he deserves can be up for debate, but I would argue that none of this would exist if he uh, wasn't a part of um, the teams that he was with uh, that created these things. So, um, and I just wanted to go through, and also he's known for all of his cameos. So I thought I'd just read some of his cameos uh, that he did in the Marvel movies, which you've all come to love. What's your uh, favorite one, real quick? I, you know, or I do you would... want to go through the list first, and then we can circle back to that? Yeah, yeah, because we can go through. Um, we can see these. So, and these aren't all of them. These are just a few that were listed. Uh, Hot dog vendor in X Men, the very first um, like big budget Marvel movie or mainstream. Uh, Man in the Fair and Spider Man. Uh, old man crossing the street in Daredevil security guard and Hulk uh, man dodging debris in Spider-Man 2 then it gets a little more interesting uh, Willie Lumpkin in Fantastic Four water hose man in X-Men the last stand man in Times Square uh, who talks to Peter tells him how great Spider-Man is in Spider-Man 3 uh, rejected wedding guest at Fantastic Four Hugh Hefner uh, the man who drinks the contaminated blood in the Incredible Hulk um, and he was an army general, I think, in the first Avenger, and he was the janitor in Winter Soldier. So list goes on and on. But uh, probably my no, personal Winter Soldier, he was a uh, army vet who gets drunk, and he no. like he gets in a drinking match with Captain America. That's my that, favorite one. No, that's Age of Ultron, and he drinks with. Oh, Thor. you're right. You're right. It is Age of Ultron. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he in uh, Winter Soldier, he's the janitor who walks by and sees that the Captain America costume's gone. He's like, "Oh, I'm." Oh, that's fired. right. That's so. Oh, that's right. That's awesome. You're right. You're right. You're right. I think uh, favorite one is probably going to be. I do, for some for the life of me, I cannot remember the movie it was in, uh, but it was uh, where he's with the Watchers. Was that that's Guardians of the Galaxy two? That's Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yep. Yeah. I love that where he's just talking to the Watchers and they just kind of walk away and he's like, hey, hey, wait. What about you? What I, was your favorite? I do love that Age of Ultron one, but I think the real top dog for me is the one in Amazing Spider-Man 
mm-hmm. where when Spider-Man's oh, fighting the lizard yeah. and he's listening to the opera music and Spider-Man and the lizard are destroying the library and he is just kind of unsuspectingly has no idea what's going on. I think that's my favorite one. That's yeah. a great one. That is a good one. Um, well, yeah, you will be missed, Dan. That about does it for the news. So, uh, well, Ian, we've talked about it for a while. We said we wanted to do it. I don't think we... Well, we've got a poll up so people know that I that we're doing this now. But um, And by the way, go to the poll. We want to know, because we're talking today, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man Trilogy. Uh, we want to know what your favorite movie is. Actually, I think the poll might be over now. Uh, maybe I'll throw it up there again. But uh, Spider-Man 2 overwhelmingly won. Uh, I had like almost 200 votes on your poll. I think maybe even more. Yeah, it was way, way more response than I was expecting and um, not really a surprising result. If uh, if that's any indication of where the conversation is going to go today. Uh, So without further ado, let's get into Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like guys look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. So, Ian, Spider-Man 1, 2002 was a wild time, all reeling from the wake of uh, Batman Forever, or Batman Batman Returns, Batman and Robin was the most, one of the most recent. recent ones. No, I think, didn't the Batman Begins? No, 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 you're right, you're no, right. It was 2005. Uh, Batman and Robin, you're right. All these were centered around high school. Uh, I uh, and before we kind of get into the movie, Ian, what kind of your what was your feeling uh, going into this? How were you? How did you feel? Were you excited? How how old were you? You were like you're pretty young. Okay, Spider Man One came out in two thousand two, if I remember correctly. Correct. Two thousand two was um, this movie. Man, it must have come out a couple months after nine eleven, right? In May, after, right after nine eleven. Yeah. Uh, so, so I was in fourth grade when that when that came out. I was nine years old. Uh, this was a very exciting time for me because I had already been a pretty big fan of Spider-Man. So I was really looking forward to this movie a lot, but I had a lot of reservations even at the young age of nine, because I remember how bad Batman and Robin was. And even at that age, I remember how disappointed I was walking out of the theater. So I had some fears, but this movie really, really, really exceeded expectations at a young age. And I was so excited when it came out. The only thing I remember not liking as a kid was the goblin suit. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing that I remember being a little hesitant about. But I really enjoyed this movie a lot. And uh, yeah, it's uh, even today, man. It's a man. It's a good flick. Uh, what'd you think? At your, you were a little older than I was, so yeah, I was if a, your interpretation was different, what do you think? And what were your expectations? Because I know you, you probably remember the trailers a little bit more than oh. I do. I don't remember any of the trailers. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk so. a little bit about the trailers at the end. Um, okay. But I'll, I'll tell you, the anticipation for me for this movie was astronomical. I mean, I was so over the moon. This is probably next to Batman. This is probably one of the most ex- like when Batman Begins came out. Uh, this is one of the most excited I've ever been for a movie. Uh, because we didn't have anything like this back then, believe it or not, you know, 17 years ago or uh, 15 years ago. And uh, it was so, there was so much anticipation. You'd see, you know, you really didn't get to see Spider-Man in the trailer. There's just a lot of him swinging. And it was a lot of really, uh, at the time, it was pretty groundbreaking um, CGI that they were using to, uh, to, to bring him to life, to bring him swinging. I remember uh, I was a freshman in high school, just like, 
it, this was at the time when you'd have like a CW show and they'd be playing and they'd be like, stay tuned to the end for the first worldwide release trailer of blah, 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 blah. And I mean, they still do that to an extent, but back then you, it didn't like immediately show up on the internet the next day, like it does now, or like five minutes after it happens. So that was really, if you missed it, like you weren't going to see it again for a while. And so I remember just eating up even, um, <laughs> uh, there was a Nickelback did a song for, for this movie and they had scenes from the movie in the music video. So I would watch that music video almost religiously just to see the clips from the movie, uh, which was, you know, really cool. And I was definitely not weird for doing that. Um, but yeah, this was, this was, uh, I was very excited for it. And yeah, the, uh, the, co- the, this is back at the time Ian Wizard magazine was around. I don't, you probably don't remember Wizard. I used to have, I, Every single I know what Wizard issue. Magazine is. I remember Wizard Magazine. And it I, wasn't really something that I was big into. I think it was something for an age group older than myself at the time when it was big. But I am well aware of to what as to what it was. Yeah, yeah I didn't know you subscribed to it. Oh, I didn't, I didn't subscribe to it. I just bought it every time I could. Oh. But I I had the the issue where they went over the interviews. I mean, there this this is a time before we had we had the internet it just wasn't what it is today where every single bit of information you've ever wanted to know was at your fingertips you really you gleaned a lot of stuff from these interviews or from like things you'd catch on the tv it wasn't so i just remembered eating everything up that i could find about this uh being so excited so without further ado let's talk about the movie so this is the origin story of spider-man and his first encounter with the green goblin spoilers for this movie um really kind of uh at the time not a super star-studded cast but everybody's gone on to get gain some significant prominence uh james franco's harry osborne i was gonna say harry potter uh william defoe is norman osborne you got uh kirsten uh kirsten dunst is mary jane watson toby mcguire is the title character peter parker spider-man uh is anybody else i'm missing here Pete Paxton plays uh, Burner. Whoever's Aunt Burner. May. Who's Aunt May? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I should probably just have the IMDb up, but we can just keep talking. So um, I guess we'll just go through the movie as we saw it, because that's how my notes are taken. I believe that's how your notes were taken. And uh, yeah, just just go about it that way. How do you... Let's do it. Let's start. Uh, okay. Where do you want to start? Because I... Well, actually, my notes... The way that I watched this movie originally was when we decided to do these episodes, I wanted to not take any notes, to just kind of organically absorb it. And initially with this movie, I started with just some basic notes. And then as I was going through the movie about halfway through, I realized that I probably should take notes, so I did. But I will start with, Matt, did you notice? This movie had some very, very, very weird transitions. And at points, there were just the goblin. And he's just smiling his face. And then it just... Scene change. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just an old movie thing. But uh, I noticed that first and foremost within the first couple minutes of the movie. I don't remember that as a kid. So that was really, really weird. So, yeah. I do want to talk about that. Um, same vein. But it, it, I, I think it all goes along together. And that's... Um, there's a lot of things that that are that are in this movie that just you don't see it anymore. They've kind of moved on. It's not in vogue right now. Um, voiceover at the beginning too 
that's you, you just don't get a lot of voiceovers anymore. Uh, and Toby Maguire pretty much narrating, sounding like he's on sedatives the entire time. He's like, you want to know who I am? I'll tell you who I am. If anybody tells you I have it easy, they're lying. But you don't see that anymore. Plus, you don't see like a five-minute title intro anymore with the, uh, with the credits before the role of the movie. Hey, man, I missed that. I loved so, that. Well, my viewpoint changed on it by the time we got to three, but uh, when I first saw it in this one, I loved it. It looks great. Right. Yeah, uh, it it's really fun. It kind of gets you in the mood for the movie, um, you know, versus like seeing 30 minutes of credits at the very end of a Marvel movie these days. It was nice to see, you know, everybody just plastered right up front in the little animation that looked a little cheesy now, but it was still fun to see. Uh, but yeah, like you're saying with the transitions and the voiceover and the intro, it's all just stuff that we just don't see anymore. I mean, they kind of, they, th- that style of stuff is out of style now and I'm probably come back, but yeah. So I, I noticed not only did they have some weird transitions, they also, one thing they did really well in this movie and you and I talked about this briefly was how well they highlight how down on his luck he is. Mm-hmm. He is constantly being pushed around even before he gets his spider powers he's being beaten up uh the bullies are pushing him around they're nudging him around calling him a dork i love that and i don't really feel like the tom holland movies really highlight that at all i mean he's like building the lego death star models with uh genki i know it's not his name but that's what i'm calling him it's basically who he's based off of yeah and I miss that in these movies. They did a really great job highlighting that. Even once he is Spider-Man and he's walking around the streets, when he's still playing Peter Parker, he still has that dorkiness to him. And I really, really thought that that's where this movie succeeded on a lot of levels. Because I remember Peter Parker being done really well in the first two movies. And like that, that held up to me. So I really, really thought that... You know, uh, Kevin Feige was, had a role in all three of these movies. And I didn't really realize that until I was looking through the credits. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably knew that. No, I didn't know that. He's been making these movies. He was on Daredevil, the yeah. 2003 movie. So he's, he's yeah. been around. Well, I guess that was after this movie. But yeah, he, he's been the original X-Men. He's been, he's been around for a long time. So I don't so know. Everybody, I don't know everybody makes bad movies at a certain point because he was also part of Spider-Man 3, I think, and Daredevil and some other stuff. But I don't, I, I don't know if that's, you know, how much of a role he has in these movies, how much influence, but I really felt like for one of Marvel's first heroes to be introduced on screen, they did a great job telling his origin, and in particular, how much of a dork Peter Parker is. I love that, and I don't know, I wish the MCU now would do that a little bit more. Yeah, I thought um, one thing I noticed was the, the, uh, the transformation, because you don't get to see that oh, now. Right. Uh, right. A lot of the time, it'd be like with Captain America. It was like a CGI, and they had to do that on the CGI to a certain extent because it would have been impossible to make uh, Chris Evans a shorter man. But, you know, they actually, Tobey Maguire came in pretty much like how he was. I think he might have done a little work to make himself a little more gaunt, uh, but he's like pale and sickly. And then after the spider bite, he, um, I remember reading the articles about how he was like did like six months re- six month regimen to like get himself all bulked up, and uh, not only did he get a great bod, he got a tan. So spider bites give you tan. I don't know if you noticed that. I did notice that actually in the movie. I did find that uh, slightly like he just he looked healthier was the way that I would describe it in the movie. <laughs> they tried to make him look healthier, and they did a good job with that. 
And then, but it had one of the world's worst CGI transformations as the yes. spider bite yes. goes through his body was, uh, was horrific. And then more voiceovers, which was interesting as he's going through his little fever dream. Um, but so, I'll, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, one thing I noticed, Matt, there, I noticed this from the beginning. And actually, I think this is a trend that I might have noticed throughout the whole movie. Do you notice that Peter Parker is very, very, very easily influenced in these movies? How so? Like, he just, well... The, um, the part where he takes he, cocaine. Yeah. I no, that was weird no, too. no, not that. Uh, he's, he's, um, I need to impress Mary Jane. I need a car. Uh, there's a point where Aunt May gives him some advice and he's like, oh, I can't believe I never thought of that. Like, it's just... It happens a lot in the movie, and enough to where I started noticing it. At one point, there's a... I think it's in Spider-Man 2. There's a random stranger that gives him advice, and he's like, Huh, I should probably listen to you. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I don't know. That's one of the main things I noticed in this movie. There was, a, there was quite... Okay, so at one point, it's... Uh, I need I need a car, right? In Spider-Man 2, uh, Doc Ock is... I know we're not talking about Spider-Man 2, but he's talking about poetry. It's just... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't know, he man. starts doing poetry to impress her. Day yeah. by day. Yeah, he's kind of impressionable. Right. And I don't really... I've never... That's one thing where they do get part of his character right, but I didn't really... I felt like they took it a little too far on that level. And... Oh, this is going to sound stupid, but I do think Tom Holland's better on that level. But, you know, I was going to say originally Andrew Garfield, but I can't bring myself to saying that. I just can't. He's so bad. Um, But yeah, uh, let's see. What else do I got here? Uh, did you notice, Matt, this this movie was a lot darker than some of the MCU movies. Yeah, in terms of tone, tonally. Tone, yeah. Very tone. Like, people are dying a lot more. Uh, like, innocent people, I noticed. Whereas the MCU, they don't really highlight that as much or when people are dying. They do, like, Sokovia and things like that. But it's not like uh, Osborne killing the scientist, you know, for helping him or right in their face, you know, or wiping out the board members, you know. You just don't see that as often. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I'm trying to skim through here and see kind of passive or progressively what happened uh kirsten dunce doesn't wear a bra the entire movie fairly certain oh so the uh the spider sense scene that's really the first time we get to see him exhibit his powers um after he's in the cafeteria he accidentally he realizes he's got um web jizz hands and he webs flashes cafeteria tray can we talk about that for a second can we can we can we stop there sure what the hell is up with the web thing what the hell? And I looked and I tried to find some research on that. I couldn't find any explanation. Oh, why they did that without the shooters? What the fuck, man? That is the stupidest thing ever. Still to this day, so when I watched that movie Sam Raimi at th- nine years old, I rolled my eyes in the theater. What well, in the fuck were they thinking? So Sam Raimi said he didn't believe that a high school student. It didn't seem plausible for a high school student to come up with a synthetic web um, that a company like 3M could still hasn't invented yet. So they just did that as kind of a shortcut to explain why he could be swinging through buildings. Um, and there's a comic book called The Other in uh, in Marvel Comics and where they actually retconned Peter's uh, web-swinging ability to give him the organic webs like he has in the, in the movies. Um, but then they ultimately took that away again. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just shorthand trying to get, you know, didn't want to have to do the legwork explaining that, which... I mean, you don't really notice it after the first time, and it's, I mean, it's never, the whole the whole premise, and one of the reasons why 
I think the web shooters have stuck around for so long is that it is kind of a plot device when when Peter's in the middle of a fight or something, you know, and he runs out of web. It's like, oh well, you, you know, now you got to fight without your one of his main powers or whatever, and uh, you know. But in the movies, it's never an issue. I just think that it took away something from Peter highlighting his intelligence, and that really kind of annoyed me. And the MCU does a great job with that. I mean, you know, he's fourteen and he developed those web shooters, and you know, uh, you know, it's part of who he is as his character. He's a genius. He's supposed to be as smart, maybe not quite as smart as Tony Stark, but on that level, uh, you know, of Reed and of Stark. And I just felt like that's a lazy shortcut. So that was my biggest thing from that. But we can move on past that. I just it bothered me, even at the yeah. young age, it bothered me. So, oh, so one of the one of the most interesting scenes where I genuinely thought that it so I've always from from memory looked at these movies as uh it's not uh, Toby Maguire is a great Peter Parker he's not a very good Spider-Man because he's not he doesn't have that charisma that that change in personality when he puts on the mask uh whereas uh you might disagree with me but I still would hold firm to this Andrew Garfield is better as a Spider-Man and he's not a very good Peter Parker cuz he's yeah. al- he's always Spider-Man and Toby Maguire is always Peter Parker. Agree. Um but Toby Maguire when he's talking to Kirsten Dunst in the backyard and he's telling her how she's a great actress, how she'll be a great actress and he's like when you played Cinderella I cried like a baby. She was like Peter, we were like 7 years old. He's like still it was great. That was that was genuinely funny. But then it's followed up with Flash Thompson showing up with his sweet ride, a soft top PT Cruiser. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I noticed that. That thing is some of the hideous. cars in this movie were pretty funny, actually. Some of the vehicles, some of the old uh, things were were pretty great. <laughs> but it, it goes from there. We've got a suit montage. He's getting, he's he's trying to get the car. That's where he realizes, as you mentioned, you know, I, I need a car. Or I'm gonna, I gotta get that Tobey Maguire monotone voice. I need a car. Uh, yeah, you're not doing it right. I I'm working on it. I'm workshopping it. Okay. Uh, but he gets a suit montage. You get to see that was actually John uh, drawn by Phil Jimenez. I believe he did those. Oh, the Spider-Man. The, all the uh, Spider-Man drawings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you get a little montage of him webbing up his stuff in his room. Which, for some ungodly reason, he thought, let me shoot webs and yank on my lamp. Yeah, that was weird. I know, I, I thought that was weird, too. But and then, he didn't even like have an intention of trying to catch it or nothing. He's no, just like, yeah, oh, he I don't dodges want it to hit it. me. He just dodges it. It's like, yeah. why did you do that? But then he follows it up with his aunt comes to the door, Aunt May, and she's like, what are you doing up here? And he's like, I'm exercising and I'm not dressed. Like, what? What are you doing? Like, why are you? She's, doesn't she say like you're scaring me, Peter, or something like you're that? You're worrying like something me, Peter. Weird. Yeah, well, that's another thing too. Is um, I thought was weird was that they you they it, it's said but it's not shown. Is that they keep saying, "Oh, Peter, you know you're you're acting irresponsible or you're you're so different." It's like, well, he didn't really do anything different. He just looks healthier and he stood up for himself to a bully. Oh, which we could, we didn't even talk about that spider sense scene. So the spider sense. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen a proper spider sense scene in any of the movies except for this one. Oh, and two. But since then, you don't. We haven't gotten any proper spider sense scenes, and I wonder why. But the uh, I thought it was 
actually really awesome where he you it slow mos and it shows him kind of he, it's like he can perceive everything going on in the room and then it's immediately cut by the worst graphics I've ever seen of flash coming at fist coming at him the CGI of, oh like what the hell is going on there 2002 is what was going on there yeah. Matt good god that that was really bad and then I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I go oh hey it's Deathstroke <laughs> now we get a fight between Spider-Man and Deathstroke who's gonna win Spider-Man won and then every and then people get mad at him for standing up for himself the dude was gonna beat the crap out of him and he he beat- was like swinging so violently and they're like what's wrong yeah, with you I, Peter th- oh, I hate that in movies it's just like he stood up for himself. Why are you guys acting like he's weird? Like he punched him. Like there's how nothing dare, wrong. How dare you stop that guy who was v- violently trying to attack your yeah, face Peter. and would have probably pummeled you into the wall unviciously like a dog, but how dare you? That was a weird, weird scene. But, okay. Uh, but I, I like the spider sense too. I've enjoyed it. I like the noise that they used when they did it. That kind of like weird, like kind of ring noise mm. that kind of like insinuate that there was a change they did a really great job and i'm disappointed because because they've done such a good job with their spider sense in this movie these movies the mcu is hesitant to do it why i don't know didn't we see it in infinity war for like a second oh, yeah you get to see his arm hair stand up oh yeah Woo-hoo. i wish it was something more like how it was don't be afraid to copy them i mean that was a good idea they did a great job why not take the elements of their movie but then i guess that would be admitting that sony does something right and i don't think we want to do that well we should jump around because we still have a lot we still have two more movies to talk about but um i want to go to the uh just hit hit kind of the big scenes from here so he he goes the wrestling like the comics um and academy award winning actress octavia spencer uh is in this movie did not realize that she was in this movie um but that was cool she was the uh I guess one of the the sign-in sheet people getting him in there. Um, the human spider. We see. Oh right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Randy Rot- Macho Man Savage has bone saw in one of oh, his greatest I performances. How much I missed that. Oh, that oh. was so good. I I loved just how hammed up he was. You got three minutes in the ring with me. That was so good. I miss him so much. He Rest in great. peace, Macho Man. Um, man. That was a good scene, man. I felt like they really did that right, too. Like, they modernized that scene for the movie, and it fit well, you know? And his costume worked, too. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was... Uh, I don't know if you remember the two, the Spider-Man, the PS2 Spider-Man game. Absolutely. Um, that Absolutely. Was, that was one of them that we, uh, that we played for a while. I played for quite a bit of time, and you could always... A couple years there. But the... Uh, so this kind of leads into Uncle Ben getting shot. And you get to see Peter storm off. And I remember movie clips and trailers showing him running into the alley, starting to climb on the walls and being so anxious (laughs) for this scene and finally getting to see this in the theater. I still think that his swinging, when you don't see his get close-ups of his face, are pretty solid. And I don't think anything will ever top that feeling of seeing Spider-Man swinging on screen for the first time. It was pretty great, man. It was that scene where he's swinging through the cars, dodging the, the buildings. Man, it. I agree. It gave me goosebumps still to this day, watching that scene, how young I was when I enjoyed it the first time, and seeing it like come to, come to life. was. It was pretty great, man. It was really, really great to see. And Tobey Maguire does a great job 
really expressing like that genuine fear, you know, like just kind of like he does a great job there. And um, that's exactly how I would expect Spider-Man to be acting on his first kind of rodeo when it comes to swinging. But man, that was such a good scene. It was. It was. It really held up very well. Um, And I yeah, I just don't think you could top it. And actually, I don't know if you know, in the trail in the original trailers, um, they they had CGI'd in him in a Spider-Man suit, I think probably because they didn't want people to know that he was not in at that Spider-Man point in the suit. movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, but next we get to uh, a montage, another montage of him being Spider-Man, which I thought worked really well. You kind of getting your cut intercutting with the interviews and like, there's the lady who's kind of, she's pretty thirsty for Spider-Man and then, you know, she's, she's like, oh, it's tight buns. And then it cuts to that police officer or the, the fish packer guy. And he's like, he stinks. I don't like him. And just that, that dr- the jumping between the two opinions of him um, with uh, cut, cut in between with him stopping robberies and stuff. I think that worked really well to show. They, they did a great job, like, establishing who he is in society, like, as we know him in the comics, within, like, a two-minute sp- uh, span. Yeah, yeah. It's, Quickly. It's, very economic and it, and it got across the point. Okay, that from there he became Spider Man, and that's really all you need to know. Um, then it gets into the best character I'd say in this movie, hands down, bar none. Probably the best character in all three movies, arguably. Um, J.K. Simmons as Thank J. You. Jonah Jameson. Thank you. Thank you for saying there that. is Thank you. there is a reason why they have not put him in to any of the two iterations over. Four, three move, four movies now with Spider-Man. You have not get seen close to it. J. Jonah Jameson because you can't top it. They've even talked. They've even talked about bringing him back just to do it. They need to. I don't understand why they don't. He was literally the perfect incarnation of J. Jonah Jameson that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it was perfect from the haircut mm-hmm. to the look to the sound of his voice to the just to the way he talked to people. Everything it, perfect. So perfect. great. I mean, just you can't top it. And I, I loved every scene with him. I've forgotten how great he was. Oh, um, yeah. But that, 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 is, that performance is absolutely why you have not seen him in any other movie, in any of the two reboots that they've done. And unless they bring him back, I wouldn't be surprised if they just don't ever touch on it. Oh, man. It was, he was so good. I, I really do hope that he reprises in his role. I've been hoping for that for a while. I thought there were some rumors there have been some rumors at times about that. Yeah, but that he might come back, but then they never, it all kind of falls Actually through. do it, yeah. Well, he's not doing anything. He's doing what? Those commercials? Come on, get him in there, man. He's doing he's like a, insurance commercials. He's a very well-respected actor, so he's just, I don't know, he's probably busy doing whiplashes. Um, so then it cuts back to kind of the uh, the Goblin origin story. Now he's been uh, toiling away at the... Or I guess we jumped over that because he he became the Goblin earlier, right around the same time Peter became Spider-Man. Uh, Norman Osborn takes the serum, uh, kills kills the lab assistant or whatever. Actually, that guy just showed up in the uh, the Amazing Sp- or uh, the Amazing Spider-Man comic book. He was in issue like two and three of um, Ryan Otley and Nick Spencer's run. That the guy who died. Hmm. Interesting. I just realized. Was just happened to be reading that right after watching this movie, but anyways, um, he nor so Norman has su- essentially suppressed the fact that he murdered the uh, the other uh, God, what's what's the guy's name? 
the scientist guy? The, the scientist and then he also mur- murdered the military guy blew up their the other company's test oh flight oh, suit the or whatever. star tech or whatever so, yeah 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 so he's space tech or something like that yeah so yeah. he's he's put that all behind him and uh as you do you you go up to your board very happy and you tell them all about how great everything is and then they act like completely unreasonable assholes to you and kick you out of your own company those jerks those guys man the dude in the wheelchair he was pretty cool about it he was just like Norman, like dude you're erratic sorry, Norman. he's like you're you're erratic sorry. man like sorry man and then they uh, the dude in the glasses he's, he's like, like you're finished norman we're selling your company and then he gives him like a look and he drinks that that sip of coffee and then he as he's doing then it. he goes you're out i was like wow i kind of don't blame him for putting on a goblin suit and killing you later <laughs> he's like of- that's right you're gonna get it i'm gonna dress up like a goblin and show you who's really out like okay, it's a random, uh, random jump there. Yeah, it just gets really. You, you know what I? You know what I really wish that they had done. I wish they had explained more why he had chosen to be the goblin. Yeah, like where what, the mask you know, came from. Yeah, like the totem of the goblin. Like why choose that? And they didn't really do that, which annoyed me. Um, but you know, whatever. They had to move the movie fast enough. And Willem Dafoe—that's the name mm-hmm. of the actor, right? Mm-hmm. He does a great job as uh, Norman Osborn in this movie. At times, he does a really good job, especially building up his origin. I thought he was great, although his voice is a little Ash Spider Man. You know, it's like, oh, uh, okay, take it or leave it, man. Well, that's see, that's kind of the voice that I've always associated with the Goblin. Uh, so I thought it worked really well because uh, from the cartoon and stuff, that's really that's kind of how they portray him. It's similar. It is it's similar. Very high I, I picture the cartoon. I picture the cartoon voice as what I always hear with the goblin. Always is the cartoon. See, I one. thought he. I think he nailed it pretty good. Uh, going after that same kind of cadence, but that you know, yeah, it's close, close enough. Um, now we kind of jump into the scene where he is the the goblin and Peter Parker's first showdown. Which I still think, again, it's another great scene that still holds up. I think totally I think as long as day. what I noticed, and it gets more apparent in the later movies, is as long as you're not showing like a physical face, it's just like Spider-Man head-to-toe suit or Goblin head-to-toe suit. The CGI doesn't look that bad. It actually, I mean, it doesn't have like all the the gradients of you know light on it and it doesn't you know things don't reflect perfectly off it but i think that for the most part they hold up i think they this movie too there i know there's a lot of cgi in this movie but they really do use the practical effects that they use Mm -hmm. really well yes it works really well and especially the scene on the ledge at that fight i mean it seemed like there's a lot of practical effects at that moment and at some of it was meh but some of it did actually work out um I don't know. It worked really... Even, like, the hand-to-hand combat that they did, like, when he was beating up the cops, mm-hmm. there, I don't think there was much CGI there, and it, it worked really well. I Man, I forgot how great this scene was. And and the, the classic line, move, kid, move. I forgot about that part. That was a good part. Oh, where he's jumping... I remember that from the trailers. Again, that's another kind of thing, but where he... Where the goblin comes around on the floats, and it's pretty ominous, and nobody really knows, like... Everybody's kind of like, what the heck is that? Like... And then out of nowhere, just rockets. It just, the whole thing starts ramping up. Really great. I still just love it. And I, you know, pretty much from there, um, I don't know, Ian. I, I don't have much more. I kind of just got into the, the movie kind of goes pretty quickly after that. 
So the movie goes, I mean, you know, if you don't want to go scene by scene, I, I do have a couple more points I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I want to talk about um, MJ in the rain um, briefly because there's... Okay, yeah, we can go there. That's that... the weird stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay, not not for the reason that most people would think. I'm not being pervy. Uh, but the gangsters <laughs> that surround her, <laughs> they're just... One of the dudes st- is straight up barking like a dog. I know it's really cheesy. All, like, hey, uh, Sam Sam Raimi's like, all right, uh, we just need a stereotypical thug gang New York gangster. Uh, who you got? And then this, the first guy's like, hey, I could sound like that. Ruff, ruff, ruff. All right, you're in. Get in there. Like, I mean, God, man, that was really bad acting. And then the one guy's like, wasn't he smooching? Like, he yeah. was like, oh my well, that, gosh, that's fine. That's like a cat call. I'm not saying it's fun, like okay, but I'm saying that's like cat calling. I could kind uh, of see that. But the cheese guy was barking like a dog. Like that doesn't have any. That doesn't even make sense. Anyways, um, did you you want you have anything you're trying to hit on? Yeah, they. Uh, I really like the fire scene. Yes. Yeah. Fire scene was awesome. I loved how, you know, the the they made a point to highlight very briefly, but I enjoyed it. There's the scene before Spider-Man runs in there. I think he saves the baby first, and then they hear another person in there. The police chief is like, "Whoa, Spider-Man." You can't go in there. And he's like, I'm going. And then, the, you know, the guy's like, all right, I'll be here when you get back. Whatever. I like that. Yeah, they do a really good back. job. You know, it, it's like that's exactly the dynamic between Spider-Man and the police. It's always that way where they're like, man, we need to capture you, but you really help us out. So go ahead and do it. And I like that. I really, really enjoyed that. Leading into the fight with Green Goblin inside of there, CGI at times doesn't hold up. Obviously, it's it's weird, but they really do a great job highlighting like every scene from the story connects in some way and i noticed that in this movie where in some other uh marvel movies that um <clears throat> venom <clears throat> uh the scenes don't really make sense from scene to scene this one even when he gets attacked from the goblin how it transitions to the next scene with thanksgiving i just man i really thought that was really cool and um the action was great there. The fire was great. One thing I don't understand, though, and Matt, maybe you can help me on this, because I just, watching the movie, I was thinking about it the whole time. What the hell does the Green Goblin want? Like, what is his goal? I, I just, I never understood what his goal That's was. That's a good point. He, it's really, it really just says, like, he wants to run the city with Spider-Man. And that's the whole kind of, that's the, the whole gist of his beef with Spider-Man is Spider-Man won't join him. Because if you remember, he's on the rooftop. And he uh, he goes, you know, you and me, kid, we run this town. And he's like, the offer only stands for so long. But it, it, what I don't get is he's like, I'm going to kill the board members. Okay, I understand his motivations to do that. He wants revenge. Spider-Man's there. He stops him. Whatever. He kills them all. Everything's good. It's gravy. Why does, you know, why does he need to continue? Like, what's the what's the end goal? And that's where one thing, as a kid, I never really noticed that. And I think most of us maybe watching that movie, because it's one of the first superhero movies, maybe didn't really think about. But the more that we watch these superhero movies, we start to kind of think, like, what are these villains' motivations? Why are they doing what they're doing? And I never really noticed that with the Goblin, that he didn't really have too deep of a motivation. So that took a little bit away from the story from me, actually. But... It still, you know, it still holds up, but it just makes, like, the end scene and all the ultimatums that he's putting on Spider-Man a little extreme, you know? But maybe they, you know, maybe that's to highlight what the serum is doing to Norman, I guess. Yeah, it could be. It's crazy, man. 
Um, I only had one more thing that I wanted to say. Actually, two more things, I guess, is kind of the the P- Peter story that he tells MJ, where he's like, yeah, I talked to Spider-Man, and then goes into this oh, wow. long yeah. and very obviously made-up-on-the-spot story about Spider-Man that MJ seemingly eats up. He really said that about me? It's like, wow, you're really making her look like an absolute idiot. And she's supposed to be, like, one of the strongest characters in comic books. She's like, what else did he say? What did he, he, said did he say you, anything uh, about my hair? You, you, like, look, you look beautiful, and just your eyes, when I see them, it was like, oh, my God, okay. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, um, lots of 9-11 what else you got sentiment on this movie? in this movie. Yes. Obviously. Yep. I think you couldn't have made this movie at this time without that. But that, that end fight scene is really great, too. Absolutely, on the bridge where he jumps off. And... Oh yeah, where he's he's saving the people and the New Yorkers come to his aid and the oh you must respond, man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that, I love that scene. That's post nine eleven sentiment. <laughs> oh yeah, we're yeah. New York. Love that, love that. Um, so they go to the end, and I guess like one thing I want to talk about. I guess we can talk about the last fight and then the ending and then transitioning kind of like the the end scene because mm-hmm. there's no end credit scene in this movie right they don't they didn't really establish that yet if i remember correctly oh no that yeah that didn't exist so they fight at the end right they they go what would you call that a warehouse that they go to and they fight it's like a do you think that fight holds up did you enjoy that fight because uh, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie yeah i still think and it's good i mean because it's all physical it's all like actually happening it's not practical practical yeah, yeah. It's it, just... They're not like swinging through cities, like you know, like fighting each other. I think that would have really taken away from the last fight because I don't really think they had the technology to do that. But like keeping it in an enclosed space for them to kind of duke it out, I think that was a good move on their part, and it really highlighted a lot of Spider-Man's abilities that he can have. You know, like in close combat like that. Yeah, it's funny because anytime it wasn't like a CGI Spider-Man, though, like really all he did was like do a backflip or something. It's like his big scene on that balcony back in the at the very beginning in Times Square. He just he's like, "I got this." He does a backflip and then like pulls cords out from underneath the glider. <laughs> yeah, he does just kind of do the backflip, punch it, and then he's like, "I'll meet again, Spider Man." Uh, like, okay, but yeah, I, th- I thought that worked really well, and and the ending was, I mean, just the the death of Norman Osborn. So I did like how when Norman's trying to bait, he's trying to distract him while he gets the glider in position. And then he realizes the glider's going to impale him. He's just like, oh. <laughs> like, ah, crap. So, so, why the hell does he do that? I don't understand why the fuck you would ever send your glider to kill Spider- like, he doesn't Do you know, think he's just he stupid? No, he just doesn't know that- He doesn't know Spider-Man has Spider-Sense. No, but- What's the end game there? If that thing is going that fast to kill Spider-Man and you're that close to him- What's your end game? You think you're going to do you think does he did he think he was going to jump out of the way? Like I've never understood that to this day. Like was he just trying to like kamikaze him? Like all right, we're both going out. Like what was his end game there? Yeah, I think he was just trying to stab him. I don't know if he thought it all the way through. He's crazy, man. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess if you want to keep going back calling back to that, you can. Uh that's good. That's a good end all to to, to it, but I don't know. Um I like the ending though. The very ending was great. They they have the sad scene and Man, this movie really, really, really did a great job. I love the ending, man. I've never been so excited when I witnessed the 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 final scene. Oh, I was like almost crying in the theater. Like, man, when's the next one coming out? Uh, what do you think? 
yeah, no, I, I loved it. I, I don't think that I expectations could have been met any better uh, at the time. I think the movie largely holds up still. Um, I, it does. I, I think it that it was does. it worked totally fine. I mean, really, the only thing are, you know, just time capsules. You know, the the voicing overs, the Macy Gray's, the all that <laughs> Macy stuff. Macy Gray. I forgot to mention that. Um, but let's talk a little bit uh, about the movie and its release. So this movie came out on uh, May two thousand two. Uh, it opened up to one hundred fourteen million dollars opening weekend which was record setting at the time and the next time it was that record was broken was by spider-man 2 um yep. made 82 or 822 million dollars uh worldwide uh and it opened alongside uh that it was that was ranked number one for, i'm trying to think if that's for the week or for the no that was this so for that year it was ranked number one alongside lord of the rings two towers Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, mm. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Ooh, uh, My Big Fat movie. Greek Wedding, Signs, Austin Powers Goldmember, Men in Black Two, Ice oh, Age, and Chicago. So that was a big year. Uh, not necess- Austin Powers Goldmember, notwithstanding, and Men in Black Two, notwithstanding. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about some of the things, some of the behind-the-scenes things, because this movie actually was in development for the better part of like pretty much since the character was created um and they got really close in the 90s Ian and uh, I wanted you to uh I wanted to share this little tidbit with you uh originally James Cameron was going to direct it and this was uh, about a decade before Raimi's did so it's like 92 um so I have this little tidbit here so James Cameron was trying to make it with uh Carol Co a production company he was going to have Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Dr. Octopus Edward Furlong, who you know as uh, John Connor from T2 Terminator, would be playing Peter Parker. Catherine Hepburn was going to play Aunt May. They had a script ready to go. The Green Goblin was going to be portrayed by Lance, Lance Hedrickson. Uh, you'd know him as uh, the the uh, the robot in uh, Aliens, the 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 good one. I forget what his uh, what his character's name was. Bishop. Bishop. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Um, he was going to be playing uh, the Green Goblin, uh, and he was going to kill Gwen Stacy, who was going to be played by Drew Barrymore. So, uh, what a wow. time. Uh, but I'm glad they waited. Carol Coe waited. filed for bankruptcy in 1995, and James Cameron went on to make Titanic instead. Um, also, other directors that were attached were Roland Embrick, Tony Scott, Ang Lee, David Fincher, Jane DuPont, M. Night Shyamalan and Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus turned it down to go uh, do Harry Potter that year. Um, other actors that were considered to play Spider-Man were Tom Cruise, Jude Law, Freddie Prince Jr., and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who we'll be talking about shortly. And uh, the Green Goblin was almost portrayed by John Malkovich, uh, Bill Paxton, Robert De Niro, Billy Crudup, John Travolta, Nick Cage, or my personal choice because I think he could portray a crazy guy really well for Murtaugh is Mel Gibson. Oh, wow, man. Nick Cage or Mel Gibson as Green Goblin would have been a really awesome movie. Can you imagine that? There's a, a lot of the, those guys have all have good Green Goblins. I just don't know how well they do for the Norman Osborn aspect of it. Uh, but oh, I think Mel Gibson would have be been um, suitably crazy for it. Um, I don't even think you need to tell Mel Gibson what the character is. Just be Mel Gibson. All right, here we go. 
be great. I would love that. That would have been awesome, man. That would have been really cool. Uh, what an interesting time that would have been, though. But I'm really glad they waited, and I think it benefited properly because Tobey Maguire did a great job. James Franco is very underrated in this movie. He does a great job. Kristen Dunst, they all do a great job. And I, man, it holds up for anybody who did not watch it. It holds up. Yes, worth worth a watch too. Um, so let's move on to our next movie. That's Spider-Man Two. Uh, movie came out in 2004. Uh, all the cast returning, and sorry, it came out July 30th, 2004. Uh, this was basically the whole crew is back. Uh, this movie for me, though, and I'll, I'll just be upfront with this: not going to have as many notes because uh, I watched this movie more than I was taking notes because I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I, this was the winner of our poll: Spider-Man Two won. Uh, as people's favorite Sam Raimi movie uh, of the Spider-Man trilogy, so let's uh, let's get into it. Ian, you started. I started last time, so why don't you start this one? Yeah. Uh, so my expe- expectations going into it were, you know, basically wasn't sure if this was going to live up to the first one because previously in superhero movies they've we we'd been let down. Uh, in the past, I guess maybe not Tim Burton's Batman, but some other films had been kind of disappointing, uh, Batman Forever in particular. But um, I was excited. I love Dr. Octavia, so I was glad to see him in screen, and this movie really, really did not disappoint. I think I had to wait two extra weeks to see it, just because I was still at that age where How I didn't you? really have my own money. Oh, man. So if I was if I was nine, I was 11 then when that movie came out, maybe 12. And... Um, yeah, it was, man, it was so, I was so hyped for that movie, and it totally lived up to expectations. It was so great. Everything that they had built on from the first movie flowed directly into the second movie. It was awesome, man. Um, James Franco in this movie, again, great, man. He did he did a great job. Um, yeah, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this film a lot. Uh, what about you? What was your experience the first time you saw it, and how old were you? So I was probably a junior in high school, so I was like, 16 17 somewhere in there um i you know i don't remember being overly hyped for this movie i know i was excited really? for it no not that not right. in a negative way i just remember i don't remember specifically being excited for this movie i remember the trailers coming out with they open with peter talking to mary jane in the cafe saying i can't do this anymore uh, you know and she's upset and then it just flashes to the spider sense and the truck being or the car being thrown at them, and then I think it stopped with the uh, the the, the uh, octopus te- or Doc Ock tentacle stopping, like stomping down. But this movie was and continues to exceed every expectation for what a, is capable in a sequel. It was it just did such a great job of showing showing like building upon as you mentioned everything that was initially done um adding a little more humor and really leaning into what worked in the first movie um, so true and they also came up with a very compelling and redeemable villain uh, with Alfred Molina and his Doc Ock um and it was it's just a great it was a great movie i just i i can't say that enough it was um it I don't think it holds up as well as it did in my mind um prior to seeing this but it definitely 
uh, is still holds the candle as one of the uh, probably the top. It's in the top five of all superhero movies of all time for me. Um, and it, but I can definitely see now how we got some of what we got in three, uh, because some of the, I don't want to say cracks, but some of those, some of the cracks were there. Um, and unfortunately it led, they, they leaned into the wrong thing in the next movie. But, um, so I guess we can go, there's not much, I, I didn't write down too much, um, here, I can cut out some of this as I'm kind of struggling here. So we both watched this on, I believe we watched it on FX, Ian. Is that right for you? No, I have it on, I own it. Oh, do you? Okay. I watched it on FX. So FX has the Spider-Man 2.1 that they air. So it's got more scenes Ooh, in it. I would have liked to have watched that. Uh, well, there is a really great scene, which I can get to in a second. Uh, but essentially, this movie is, things are going relatively well for Peter. Um, as Spider-Man, but his life's kind of falling apart right now. Uh, he's out of college, and is Mary Jane's not dating Harry. Uh, I, I think they're just friends. Was that where was that? I kind of blank on this the plot of this one a little bit. They are all just friends at this point. Um, yeah, Mary. Well, Mary Jane had professed her love to Spider-Man at the end of the first one, and he basically turned her down. And so the three of them had just kind of, I think Harry still liked Mary Jane, but um, yeah, I don't think she was interested in him. That's kind of where they left it at the beginning of this movie. But they all, he has this birthday party in the beginning of the movie, I remember. That's and right. And they're all kind of like, there's friends together. Yeah. Okay. So this has, yeah, this has a couple, probably the greatest Spider-Man scenes out of the entire run, um, or some of what we see in this movie. Uh, is this before when he's, when he's swinging? Oh, he's going to see Mary Jane in the uh, in the play. That was that's okay. So the, I'm trying to recollect where everything's at right here. So Peter is a pizza delivery guy. He's not doing very well at school because he's Spider Man all the time, right? Yep. And uh, just a little tidbit. I'm going to sprinkle in the tidbits as we talk this time versus saving them for the end because there's not much to talk about here. Uh, that pizza place and that phone number on his head on his helmet is a real pizza place. That's their real number. And they really like the attention they get from the Spider-Man movie. Good for them. Yeah. I, yeah. I noticed that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see that. That is, that's pretty funny. Actually. It's, it's really authentic on their part. It's a nice little nod that they do. And, uh, I felt like they did New York really well in those movies. And even though I don't think the movie was even filmed in New York for the most part. No, it's this, this one feels very much soundstage. Um, New I think York. it was, I think I saw it was uh, some of the action scenes were filmed in Ohio, actually, if I remember correctly. Yes, uh, definitely in the next one. Uh, Cleveland was used pretty heavily. But this mm-hmm. one, uh, we get to see Spider-Man has the web balls now, the little web, right. the bouncy balls that he uses, uh, which are cool. You get to see redesigned suit. Uh, but is it really redesigned? I really, I didn't really feel like there was much of a change between the first movie and the second yeah, the, movie. Yeah, the eyes are narrow. They brought out the color. Um, they changed the logo a little bit, the spider emblem. It's dumb. Um, Wish they had done so it more. It's it's pretty much within the first fifteen minutes. You see what I what I, this is the point I'm getting at is that some of the stuff that we see that they re- lean really heavily into number three are in here as well. So Peter is delivering a pizza. He has seven. He gets the most impossible task in the world. There's no way he's actually going to win it. So his boss is kind of a dick because he's like, "You're fired if you can't get across town in like seven minutes." 
like he's not going to do it. Just fire him. Like, why are you wasting his time? But why did Spider-Man even try? I know. I don't know. <laughs> but then great scene. Sp- <laughs> Spider-Man, right, Peter Parker runs into the alley, comes out as Spider-Man. And that guy, I forget his name. He uh, goes, hey, that guy stole <laughs> Spider-Man stole that guy's pizza. <laughs> that was pretty great. Because, you know, everybody thinks Spider-Man's the worst. They, uh, he gets in the broom closet. And it's that, like, 10-minute scene of him with the brooms. And I was like, that is exactly the kind of stuff that they do in 3. That is why this is not... Like, I can see how this got us where we are now. It's a little humorous at that moment, but I totally get what you're saying. Like, they they maybe, in that scene, carried it on for maybe five seconds too long. And in the third movie, they maybe carry on scenes like that for about two hours too long. Mm -hmm. So, I get what you mean. Or arguably, the entire movie is one of those. That's what I mean. Um, We pretty much cut right to J.K. Simmons again. And the first, when you see him in the first movie, he's doing like 10 different things. And it's like pretty much exactly how you'd imagine J. Jonah Jameson. He doesn't have as much going on in this one, uh, but he does, uh, he is still the, the lighthouse for this movie. Not that this movie's bad in any way. But he is so great, and he just exudes so much perfection in this movie. I, I cannot stress enough how he is my favorite character in this entire trilogy. He, to me, is what Gary Oldman is to the Dark Knight films. I think he's a great Commissioner Gordon. Well, he is Commissioner Gordon, Ian. Uh... Then we kind of get uh, Dylan Baker. He's playing Lizard. Um, Connors, Kurt Connors. Oh, and then another bit. Another thing that I was talking about, the, you got the backpack bit, where he drops his bag, and then he's just getting repeatedly beat in the face with the backpacks. Like, why is this, oh, why is this happening? Right. What, this has nothing. But yeah, again, it's just, this is the buildup. I think this is kind of what Sam Raimi always leans on, but he didn't have a chance to do it as much in this movie and the last movie. Uh, so should we get into some Doc Ock here? Yeah, let's, if you want to, you want to start maybe where, I want to talk about the scene where they, they first interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way that they're introduced with each other. They make it really organic and it makes sense. It, whereas some of these other Marvel villains that we've encountered, they just kind of come out of nowhere and you're kind of just like, who, what, huh? So, um, I really enjoyed how they organically brought Peter to Doc Ock. It was him studying for the paper. So they connect through Osborne. Osborne connects them together. I like how they highlight how Doc Ock is a scientist and he kind of scoffs at Peter, like, I don't have time for you, but then they build a relationship. It's something that paid off throughout the entire movie. They made sure to sprinkle that in throughout the whole movie, how Doc Ock and Parker had some sort of relationship. So that way it pays off, you know? And Mm -hmm. That is really, really good storytelling to me. They Even from the first couple scenes, they did a great job. I loved how uh, Octavius was giving him relationship advice. Yeah, I thought that was funny, and yeah. it was kind of a, highlighting his human side. And that's really... Alfred Molina, man, he's one of the best parts of this film to me. He was great, and it's funny. I was reading a lot of the things that he was saying about working with Marvel, and he was like, I would love to be joined... I would love to do another Marvel movie and stuff, and... God, I wish he would be Doc Ock again, but he's probably older now. Yeah, he can still do it. He he's he's That'd a be pretty awesome man. 
But man, he he was so great as this. He's very charismatic. You get you really get an understanding, like you're mentioning, of why they're friends. But you you get it, enough of his story to care about him when he turns bad. And this is the I think one of the reasons this this character and this this antagonist works so well is because you don't really hate the guy, and he's he's redeemable. And unfortunately, you see that a little too much in uh, with Sandman, but. This this one was really good because you you just actually you were, I I felt invested as much with him um, as I did with Peter. But moving on, kind of the next scene is him in the hospital, which right after after the uh, accident happens. Yeah, so they're trying to, to do the New York thing. They're trying to remove um, the the arms from him. Anybody take shop class? But they yeah. they get in there. And this scene, I remembered it not differently. I, I guess I just, I guess I did remember it differently. I didn't remember it being, this is like straight up horror. Oh, I loved it. It worked I so well. It worked it. so Man, well. I wish the MCU would do this again. Oh, gosh. I, like, how great was that scene? It was I mean, really it just, good. it fit, it really highlighted how evil the arms were. And how and basically because he kind of when he gets up he kind of has no memory of what happens and it shows like how how like how dark he can really be. I loved it, man. I love that. It was it was dark. It was a dark scene. Even me watching it again was kind of like getting a little squeamish on my couch. Like, oh my goodness! That oh, was... the nails when she her nails. Ugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was just a wax floor that they did, or they coated the floor with wax or something like that. But to great effect, and it was really sets up kind of the danger of who this guy is now that he's made this transformation. Um, but interspersed with this is Peter's starting to lose his powers as he's beginning right. to doubt himself, um, especially as he sees J. John Jameson's son, John Jameson getting engaged to Mary Jane uh, because he, Oh, he missed, he missed Mary Jane's uh, play. So she got engaged as, uh, as recompense, <laughs> but she, I'm sorry. Did you did you have any more about the hospital scene? I was just moving on. Sorry. No, no. Uh, we can move on to Mary Jane. Kind of. You you know. I noticed that she kind of. You know. I'm not. I'm not trying to be like taking Peter's side on this because in the third movie, I mean, good God, we'll get into that. Oh. But in this movie, she kind of just sp- does things to spite him, and it kind of sucks. And I'm like, I feel for him well, a little bit. She like, does things. She does things to get a reaction out of him, which is weird because. Um, and I can get into more detail why when we talk about that one, but I think she's better in three versus oh. this movie because she's better in three. Yeah, she is not the movie okay. or anybody else in the movie except for J. Jones Jameson. Right. But right, Absolutely. Uh, she. But in this movie, she like literally does things just to kind of push his buttons because she's yeah. she's like I'm dating a guy, and he's like, oh well, that's good. Companionship's great. I think it's serious, but she's like clear, very clearly like baiting him. I was like, that's kind of messed up, because, but I guess, yeah, she did say she loves him, so I mean, I can understand her frustration, because he, he kind of wants it both ways. Yeah, I think, I think what would be better is, I mean, she put herself out there, right, and here we are giving Mary Jane and Peter Parker relationship advice back from 2002. She goes and puts herself out there, and he declines her. Why Why is it continuing at that point? I just don't understand. I mean, yeah, she seems it was weird. unhappy with the fact that she is now friends with him. Like, that she's she got friend-zoned by Peter Parker. And, she, and how does the guy that she's with not get upset? 
you know like how does she not know how does he not notice that kind of stuff i don't know it was weird there's weird el- relationship elements going on in this movie huh aren't you gonna invite your uh, photographer friend Right. One of the most, she's just like, she's like, no, no, absolutely not. It's like, like that's kind of weird. Like John Jameson has like three lines and he just, and then a very intense, almost tearful stare. And that's it. That's all he gets in this movie. But he, yeah, I, I, I really think she kind of got the short stick here because she didn't get, she didn't have enough to do. And she's kind of just yeah. left to, she's kind of just reacting to everything that's happening to Peter. She can't, you know, she's not actively able to do anything because she's just like, I'm trying to, I don't want to say like a pawn, but she's just like a piece on the board, the way that the story goes. She she can't be too integral to the story because the story is more about him realizing, him giving up his a life that he wants for, for, uh, to be Spider-Man. And um, she doesn't seem to want to do that. Well, I don't know if I'd say she's a pawn. More like she's like an obstacle. Like the relationship yeah, she's just, that he had. I, I don't mean like a, I don't mean like a know? pawn in a bad way. She's just she's just a there. Like she can't. She doesn't really do anything to affect the plot. Which is that's probably the most criminal thing about this movie. Is she just doesn't have anything to do. Yeah, I just I feel like the the only thing she does do, and if you're talking in terms of plot, is she affects Peter in the ways that he second guesses himself. Like he doesn't, he's not sure who he is, and when he sees Mary Jane going off with another man, he's like, "Well, do I want to be Spider Man? But I doubt myself as Spider Man, so do I want to be Peter?" And it just kind of goes from there. And I think some of those elements kind of continue on, and maybe in the third movie a little bit, but uh, maybe not in the best of ways. Um, their relationship, though. I don't know that it was really... I remember it being stronger when I was a kid, just like it being fleshed out better. And upon rewatching these movies, I didn't really feel like it, they were, it was fleshed out as well as I remember it being. Um, and they've kind of steered away from that, especially since Amazing Spider-Man doesn't do a better job of that, any better of a job of that. So I'm really glad that the MCU steered away from that. And I'm starting to notice now, especially after a rewatch of these movies what things the MCU decided to take and what things they decided to leave on the table when it comes to Spider-Man. And I kind of respect uh, Homecoming a little bit more, if I'm being honest. I, I have a little more respect <gasps> for it because of that. I know, I know. I was going to, you know, I was going to wait to save that. If you weren't so the, anti-Homecoming, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I know. Uh, I was going to wait to say that for when we talked about the third movie, but, uh, I mean, it just came up now. We're so, going to have so much to talk yeah. about the third movie. Um, yeah. Is, so that's all I, I mean I don't really we can talk about the kind of the I don't, I don't know if there's any middle parts you really oh the train scene no for sure. I've got so um, I wanted to talk uh, I wanted to t- <laughs> I want to talk about two I want to talk about the fight scenes on their own um, and then one little and then a few tidbits here real quick so if, unless you have anything else I think we could just wrap up for the and just talk about those two things yeah let's do it let's talk about okay them. so I said I mentioned I watched the extended version of this in the extended version, which God help him, I don't know why they didn't just leave this in the movie because this brought me, this made me so happy. Um, J.K. Simmons, in the middle of the movie, you know how he has the Spider-Man suit. Mm-hmm. It's making me crack up just thinking about it. He puts he put it on, on the Spider suit and That's he's awesome. jumping around on his desk pretending to shoot webs, and everybody, it cuts to everybody watching him through the blinds. I really wish they left that in there because it was really great. 
Um, that would have been awesome to see. Oh, wait, I have something really quick. Sure. Something real quick. Put it on the poll. What is better, Spider-Man 2, the movie, or Spider-Man 2, the game? Oh, right, that is a good question because that is the best game. You know what, Ian? The first time I skipped school was to go home and play that game. <laughs> man, that game's awesome. Spider-Man 2, man, that was a... That was probably... One, it's still it well until this PS4 Spider-Man game came out uh-huh. that was the best like, you could get the best you could get you you won't get any closer than that the swinging was so organic from the the first game to that second well, it was game was open world oh, that man. was the thing was yeah. it was open world and you could just be swinging and then there'd be like a crime going on you'd be like oh i got to stop and stop the crime it was oh so great and and people on the street would be hey what's up spidey I love that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, put that on the poll. What's better, the movie or the game? Because I've always been interested, Actually, and I'm interested to see sh- who would, you know, kind of who our gamers are versus who our moviegoers are. So put it on the poll. Sorry, go ahead. Um, well, yeah, that, that was it. Oh, and then um, J. Joe James, or not J. Joe James, um, William Defoe, he's in this movie. Yes, he is. And, uh, the, he's in a mirror. The only reason he's in this movie is because he was walking home one day and happened to see them filming stopped in to say hi and they said hey do you want to have a cameo in this movie <laughs> and he did it that's awesome that is such a great little nugget right there i, I didn't love know that. that that's so great yeah i know and that's so it's good on him for just being like yeah sure um and then made the movie better yeah jake gyllenhaal almost took over for toby mcguire so toby mcguire oh, heard I, his back I saw that on seat i think and he was using that as leverage to get more money so the studio was like screw you we'll hire jake gyllenhaal which I think would probably still be a good Spider-Man. But now we're going to find out if he's a good Mysterio. But he... Um, I don't... Man, could you imagine... I think that movie would have not been good if they had brought back all the original cast and Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I think people would have had a problem I with that. I think it would have been fine. But he... Uh, I would have had a problem with it. He... Uh, yeah, but he, he was even in costume testing. And then Tobey Maguire said, nah, I'm coming back. We've also never seen that before in a superhero movie. That would be unprecedented. But go ahead. A character being replaced? A character being replaced in the middle of his franchise by a whole other actor, the main character. We've never seen that before. Uh, Don Cheadle. No, a main character. Oh. The main character that's that the franchise is centered around. We've never seen that. That would be unheard of. Batman Forever. Uh, I Batman, see. I don't really consider. Robin. I don't cons. No, I don't really consider those two things like a solid franchise. I consider the Tim Burton things one, and then whoever the hell directed the other two, its own thing. Chris O'Donnell films the other one. I'm just trying to undercut He's, your point. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it just, I don't know, that'd be really weird, but I'm sorry, continue on. That would have been crazy, though. I just, it blows my mind to think Jake Gyllenhaal would have been Spider-Man. That's unheard of. But Mysterio, he'll be good as Mysterio, yeah, I think. Yeah, he will be. He's a great actor, so I, I'm, I'm excited. He is a great actor. Have you seen Nightcrawler? Yes. Have you seen He's Prisoner? Good. I haven't seen Prisoner. Is it good? <sighs> so good. Very good. I gotta watch it. Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. Uh, he's really good. Yeah. I just don't think he'd be a good Spider-Man. I think but, he could be. Uh, what else you got? Um, no, we we got fight scenes. We just got to talk about fight scenes, and I think we, we we can lump these all together. You go ahead because I am probably going to be too hyperbolic right at this exact second. You you go ahead. What 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 do you think? They sucked, right? So the train fight scene. Wow, that is an awesome fight scene. Still holds up to this day. It's the best fight scene I've seen in the Spider-Man movie. That being said, as much as I just built up Homecoming. Rewatching that scene disappointed me a little bit on Homecoming. It did fan the flames a little bit. Because, as I've mentioned, when we reviewed Homecoming, they made a point in, when they made it to not have Spider-Man punch anybody 
in order to make the him seem more, I don't know if it was kid-friendly was the word that they used, something like that. I loved how violent and graphic the fight scenes were between Doc Ock and Spider-Man. When he's like crawling on the, the subway, and you can kind of see him, and the patrons in the subway are seeing Spider-Man basically fight sideways on the train. That is... Man. That is How next great level. was that? When they... Oh. So this this movie, I, and I've, I've always said this, is th- these this movie, these fight scenes in this movie in particular are the best representation of a comic book fight like what you'd see in a book put to screen absolutely where you're seeing spider-man fighting the bank scene is i mean i still think it's phenomenal where he's he swings in there they're throwing the the money bags at each other and then spider-man pulls the chair or the the two tables and doc can blow one away he turns around gets knocked and you just see him like hit the glass hit the post hit the the cab and then spider-man jumps like it made you feel like if you were in new york and like you were just going down the street getting your coffee all of a sudden like this big old super villain superhero fight burst through the street like that's what it felt like and uh the the train scene just encapsulates at 20 you know turns it up to 10 because as you're saying where they're on this like that is a spider-man fight he's on the side of a freaking thing the only person who could have that fight with him in that way is Doc Ock, who can Doc hold Ock, himself yep. up. And they're just duking it out. And Spidey, where he's where he throws him off, which is the start of the Spider-Man being dragged by something and then having to catch back up to it. But it, it's arguably never been done better than this, where he pulls himself back up, soaring through the sky, and Doc just starts throwing people to throw him off. And you see him oh, being Spider-Man. Like jumping, catching them, swebbing them up, saving them as he's continuing to go. How great. Like, they, they encapsulated all his, his powers perfectly in that moment. That's exactly what he'd do, you know? Mm-hmm. And, oh, and then, you know, the swing through, or his, his little slide through the grates was great. But, uh, yeah, it yeah. doesn't top that. I don't think that any of the other fight scenes are as good as the train scene, but I think that they're all at a 10 anyways, because the final fight scene in the, in the, uh, the sunken lab or whatever, that's still phenomenal. I think that's so great where he throws him out of the building and you see you're following him as he's swinging or as he grabs himself back to the building, swings back in, they're fighting. It's just, everything is so, much more physical and I think it I'm not sure how much of the train scene was actually them doing that but everything just had much uh, felt more real I hope uh, gotta have Spider-Man punching guys I can't I hope the MCU is is re-watching these movies because that's that's what Spider-Man could be Spider-Man Homecoming had elements of this at the end when he's fighting Vulture very very briefly um, you know, he's using his webs, I would argue, in a way very similar to this, but it's not on the same... It's more like by accident, it seems like, in that movie compared to this movie. And I really hope that they highlight him kind of, you know, mastering his powers a little bit more. This movie, man, it just it took everything to a 10. It was so great. The scene of him sa- saving Mary Jane was awesome. It was funny, which I really, really appreciated in that moment. They took a really serious thing and made it kind of a one? very Marvel moment. The one where he's sitting there and she, you know, she sees him and he's without his mask and he's like, "Oh yeah, this thing is pretty heavy." Like, you know, it was a great moment. It was like, "Yep, that's exactly what he would say as Spider-Man." You know, so um, 
I enjoyed it, man. And and the ending between Alfred Molina and Tobey Maguire, where they're kind of sharing their moment with each other, and I, it pays off. You know, it really paid off from the first scene of the movie to the last scene of the movie. And man, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie. And Harry, James Franco, awesome. Oh, His yeah. interactions with Alfred Molina were fantastic. Oh yeah, he, he and he uh, he becomes much much worse in the next movie. <laughs> so yeah, so bad. that's true. Okay, so let's talk about this third movie. I'm going to keep this really light on the plot. I think we just need to talk about things that we dislike about this movie. Oh, talking about Spider-Man. Oh, hold on. Let's wrap up. We didn't do we didn't finish up 2. So 2 2 came out uh made 88 million dollars opening weekend and uh 783 million dollar gross uh on July 30th, 2004, came opened up alongside uh The Road to Love, which seemed mm, a Sounds like weird. a good movie. I was trying to find uh what that what came out that year if you just bear with me for one sec here while i pull up the 2004 box office i have a question i'm gonna put on the poll while you're doing that um put on the poll willem dafoe or alfred molina no context just willem dafoe alfred molina uh who wins i'm just gonna put that up comics We'll see who wins, because I'm really curious who people thought were better in those two movies. I don't know. I felt like Willem Dafoe did a really good job, and he was a really great Green Goblin. Man, I I don't think that we get villains like that very often in the MCU. That's one thing that I miss in these old superhero movies. Some of the villains are really good, and uh, now we just kind of get Loki and whoever else we get. Um, you know, what's the guy from Black Panther that died at the end of the movie that pissed me off? What was his name? Killmonger. Uh, why did he have to die? Michael B. Why, Jordan, why do you got to yeah. kill off... Yeah, why do you have to kill off the good villains, Marvel? Come on. Because I don't know. Yeah. Um, the I can't find what it opened what you know where it landed that year, but anyways, we can move nice. on. So Spider Man right. three. Two thousand seven. Uh I was out of high school. I think I was years out of high school now this was this movie holds a special place because this was one of the first movies for reasons i'll explain ian because i know you're going to jump down my throat the second i say it um i saw this movie three times in the theater nice and it was one of the first movies uh, the only other movie i ever did this with was uh, Bat, uh the dark knight rise or dark the dark knight that came out ironically the same year um i remember this coming out very distinctly because I was very excited. The hype coming out of two was so so oh, high, so high, and so high. this one had venom. Can't oh, get around that this one had venom. And how excited could you be? I remember the trailers. Peter Parker, he's in, or uh, Spider Man's in the construction site, and you just hear like the the venom kind of calling or growling in the background, and then you just see him get grabbed by the hands. That was all you got to see in the trailer of Venom. And I remember watching that trailer over and over and over, uh, being so excited for that movie to come out. <laughs> Cannot express to you how much disappointment I had on my life, uh, but we'll get into it, Ian. That's so great. Ian, what All about right. you? Man, um, you know what's funny is I don't – okay, I do remember this. I'm going to bring up a name, a friend of mine, old friend of mine, uh, Matt, you remember, uh, Matt, you will remember his name is uh, Kyle. Kyle uh, mentioned to me, an old friend, he saw the movie, I think, opening day, 
And the next day at school, I was really hyped to see this movie. And I asked him, how was the movie? Was it great? Was it fantastic? His only thing that he said to me, he said one phrase to me. Do you know what he said, Matt? Hmm. He said, Spider-Man becomes emo. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant. So going into this movie, I was very confused. And I remember in my head thinking, what the heck is he talking about? Spider-Man goes emo? This movie, wow, went in with such high expectations and was severely let down. Uh, was not anywhere near to what I thought it was. Uh, upon rewatch of this movie, re-ingestion of this movie, first of all, I didn't realize this movie was as long as it was. Why? Why is this movie two hours and 15 minutes? Oh my god, we did not need it to be that long. Secondly, why did we get this movie? Well, I mean, just there was so many different elements going on. Uh, I know we're going to get into some of those moving pieces, but man, it was it was all over the place. And I was disappointed. And this one turned me off of superhero movies for a while. Uh, you did mention The Dark Knight came out in the same year. I didn't realize that. I saw The Dark Knight six times in theaters. I don't know if wow. you knew that. No, I did not. S- six times. Yep. Okay. So we're going to be really light on plot here. We're really just going to go through criticisms because this movie is atrocious. Um, atrocious. It is. Can I just say the plot really well, quick? Can I like say it in five I, minutes? Or, I, I just or want to give a breakdown of the it. plots that are going okay. on. Um, okay. <laughs> plots. Yeah, because I, I, about halfway through the movie, I was like, there's like six simultaneous stories going, storylines going on right six. now. Um, Literally six. No, yeah, actually it's eight, Ian. <laughs> uh, there's Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man. There's Venom. Yep. There's Sandman getting money for his daughter, which he never does. Yep. MJ yep. losing her job, MJ Peter engagement, yep. Uncle Ben's killer re- really being Sandman, Eddie Brock, and John Jonah Jameson's, uh, J. John Jameson's blood pressure. You didn't even talk about Harry Osborn. And Harry Osborn. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I did, must not have been to that part of the movie. So Harry Osborn's Seeking Revenge um, and Peter Paxton <laughs> explaining to him in the ni- 11th hour, oh, actually, I'm a forensic scientist and I realized that your dad actually killed himself based off the blade, the blade pattern on his wounds. If I may, sir, I've seen things in this house I've never spoken of. What are you trying to tell me? The night your father died, I I cleaned his wound. The blade that pierced his body came from his glider. I, I know you're trying to defend your father's honor but there's no question that he died by his own hand. I loved your father as I have loved you, Harry, as your friends love you. And you forgot about the elements between Dr. Connors and Peter Parker, too. Well, that's just more Venom stuff. That, I mean, that's not. A I guess. Line. I mean, they. I mean, there, there, there were some moments in that in this movie that I was reading. They were talking about they were going to reprise Doctor Connors as the lizard. He was you know, So to there be, was some. Yeah. There were some elements going on there. That's you know that's what I'm talking about. But so let's start with wow, let's start with some terrible. Let's start with some CGI. Okay. CGI is atrocious in this movie, and I can yes, tell you is. exactly why. They wanted to show people's faces. It was yeah. horrifically bad. The, this CGI was worse than the 2002 movie because they kept trying to show everybody's faces and it looked like somebody 
it, it looked like Minecraft faces in this movie. It's ridiculous. They they look terrible. They kept trying to show these people's emotions in these action scenes. They should have just never done this. But hubris is a dangerous drug, and they did not exercise any restraint. Uh, Ian, what did you think about the CGI? It was terrible. They. It's funny, I didn't notice the trying to get people's faces until you just said that, and now as I'm thinking about it, yeah, well, they paid a lot of actors a lot of money to get them into this movie, so it makes sense, you know? But, yeah, it's terrible. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the MJ-Peter relationship here. We're really just going to hit kind of points, um, different things that we, we can kind of branch out from there. So MJ and Peter, at the end of number two, she leaves her bow comes to Peter's doorstep in her wedding dress and they're together now. Uh, did you, so I, I mentioned in the last movie, I thought Mary Jane was better in this movie than she was in the last two movies. It's because she actually kind of has something to do. And I think her reactions to Peter and especially her, um, her hurt after the, uh, the Spider-Man day scene where he kisses Mary or Gwen Stacy. Uh, I thought that she did phenomenal. She was really good in those scenes where she was kind of portraying like, don't you like, do you see how much you hurt me? But that unfortunately is not enough to save the movie. Did you think Mary Jane was very good in this movie? Uh, I didn't even notice it. Honestly, I don't think there's really anything that was good in this movie. Uh, I get what you're saying. And you know, you're trying to highlight a very small corner of this movie. So I, I get what you're trying to do, but I don't even think the small corner of her acting was was very good. There's a nugget that I read in this movie that a lot of the scenes that Gwen Stacy was or that Mary Jane was in was actually supposed to be taken by Gwen Stacy and at the last minute Raimi kind of like told Emma uh what's her name? Uh, Kristen Dunst. I almost said Emma Watson. I don't know why I said that. Uh he I think I almost said Emma Stone, which is why I was thinking that. Um but he told Kristen Dunst, "I'm sorry, but we're going to actually have you play this these parts and i guess she was pretty pissed off about it so i don't know how that played into this movie i don't know i i just there's nothing we talked about how in the first two movies each scene kind of plays into each other and there's a connecting link between each scene and they pay off towards the end of the movie you get to the end of the movie you're happy that you saw alfred molina and toby mcguire drinking coffee in that first scene in spider-man 2 so when we get to this movie all the things that you see you none nothing pays off nothing makes sense and each scene is a different thing you're like okay well then there's this okay well then there's this okay well there's this going on um did you know that the meteor when it fell was actually supposed to be from j jonah jameson and it was mm-hmm. supposed to be it was supposed to, him. It was supposed to be like the animated series how he he yeah. crash lands he finds it on the moon crash lands on earth and it that's how it gets to earth they so they cut. that's more of a link between the second movie and the third movie would you agree that makes more sense right yeah in you know that that's the logical move that they should have made but they didn't that's so stupid yeah i don't know why I, it would have made sense i think even that even adding that little 30 second one minute extra of a scene would have made this movie a lot more smoother. And it wouldn't have... I mean, the meteor just happens to fall next to him. Mm-hmm. And I I never even noticed that when I watched it the first time. I never noticed that. And now I'm watching it through. I was really disappointed by that. That was really lazy writing. That's even lazier than, oh, he has organic webs now. So, you know, maybe some of the elements we saw in that first one are paying off in the third one in a negative way. But also, Harry is rushed into the Green Goblin thing. I was going to say, let's let's fuck? talk about Harry. Let's uh, let's kind of his oh plot my. line. 
So Harry. Yes. Okay. I'll let you Harry, go. Go Harry's ahead. Harry's got probably. What do you think about Harry? Harry's probably got the most interesting arc. Uh, he's recently in Spider-Man Two. Finds out that Tobey Maguire, is, Peter Parker, is Spider-Man. Uh, yep. He shows up menacingly at Mary Jane's performance. Immediately goes home and says, "I'm gonna hit that Goblin Juice." Gets gassed up, then immediately goes starts going after Peter. Uh, in what is the worst CGI'd fight scene I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, the only so the only redeemable part is where he throws Peter and Peter goes through the two panes of glass, and then that's that's it. That's pretty much it. Um, then we get the so he gets the probably the greatest <laughs> fully sound effect I've ever heard in a movie. Um, where Peter oh the doink <laughs> I'll I'll put it in here. Oh! But the doink. yeah I just. And he conveniently forgets everything. He only this. I was writing down these notes here as we were going through. I I knew that it was portrayed as the world's most convenient memory loss. But let me. Um, I'm trying to find here where I started making note of how what he does and doesn't remember. He doesn't remember he's rich. He doesn't remember he doesn't have a girlfriend. But he does know that Peter and MJ are dating. He does know that they're best friends. Uh, he does remember that his dad died, but he doesn't remember that Spider-Man was the one who he thinks did it. Very selective adventure. <laughs> it's like, what? How did? And they, the doctor even says, "Oh, his short-term memory is shot." He, what? Let me ask you this, Matt. So I was thinking the whole time I'm watching this movie, I was trying to think to myself, and I got a couple points about this as we go through this movie. What would have made this movie better? You know, we just talked about the Jane Jonah Jameson scene, how much that would have been better. We're talking about Harry now, right? Mm -hmm. So with Harry, when he attacks Peter in that first scene, before he gets the amnesia, before he forgets all that stuff, I think what would have been really good if this movie and would have made it more interesting was if they had shown um, just the Green Goblin show up in full costume, the original, yeah. how kind of like, and and Spider Man didn't know what was going on because that's Not how a it snowboard. happens in the comics. In the comics, when when Spider Man interacts with the second Green Goblin, he even is like, "What the fuck is going on? I killed you. You were. I saw you die. How are you alive right now?" And that makes more sense. I I think that would have played a lot better in the movie and i think it could have been a more continuation of the story that would have made more sense than oh let's just make him have amnesia like i I just i don't know i don't know why you don't take that angle instead um i mean i guess as we go through this movie the the elements are clear that this is like a movie that seems to be just cut together very sloppily and that seems to be kind of why but i don't know i just it's just a note that i made i think the movie would have been a lot better if they had decided to go down that route and make it more of a mystery and kind of have it pay off more at the end when Peter realizes who Harry is and then they come together as a team. That would have been cooler. But um, what else do you want to talk about? I want to keep talking about Harry here. Um, okay, let's keep talking about him. Uh, I just, I kind of wonder, there's a scene where after he, so Harry inevitably gets his memory back after he looks in a mirror and mm-hmm. remembers he's evil and hates Peter. Uh, he... <laughs> Starts in motion a plan where MJ's gonna break up with Peter. He's gonna pretend that he's dating Mary Jane. Like the dumbest deconstruction ever, because 
literally this could all resolve itself within like 30 minutes but or like over the course of like two weeks spider-man will figure out oh hey so oh so harry was telling you to say that stuff okay let me go beat the crap out of him put him in jail okay yep all right good um how did harry get his glider into mj's apartment wow that's a really good point i didn't didn't they explode through the wall no that's in the first movie that's that's what that's what Norman does. Norman knows how to get mm. things done. Harry, I just have to imagine that there's a deleted scene somewhere of him like trying to fit the snowboard down a narrow hallway to get it up into the room, or like him trying to like navigate it through a window, just kind of like uh, uh, like Larry Curly Moe, like just trying to get it, get it to fit in there and can't like a montage of him like trying different angles in different ways, and then uh, yeah, I just I was like how 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 the hell did he get in there? And then how is he going to get out, like, quickly? Like, speaking of deleted scenes and deleted things, uh, I was reading online that there's a version of this movie that people are petitioning for that hasn't been fully released yet, supposedly, that's like kind of like Spider-Man 2.1 that has some deleted scenes that the rumor is makes the movie more fleshed yep. out a little bit better. And this petition is like been ongoing since... I mean, I think it's still ongoing, and there was, like, news that... They had made some sort of move forward with it, even last year in 2017. So, yeah, maybe there is a deleted scene where Harry is lazily shoving his snowboard glider through it. Yeah, you never know. That, that, that very, very well might be realistic, Matt. You might be right. Um, anything else you got Yeah, no, Harry? I want to talk about some uh, Thomas Hayden Church. I want to talk about some Sandman. Ooh, me too. So me too. you're going to hate it. I think Thomas Hayden Church, the Sandman and Thomas Hayden Church's performance have to be divorced from each other because they're totally separate things. Thomas Hayden Church as the Sandman is great. Thomas Hayden Church is a great actor, uh, but his portrayal of Flint Marco and what Flint's going through, I think he knocks it out of the park. He's very good in this movie. However, he becomes a mindless, groaning Sandman whenever he becomes sand. Uh, So that is where I think his uh, unfortunate his uh his part falls apart i actually don't hate flint marco in the movie i just think that we've mentioned a couple times his motivations are weird we they're, they're he wants to save his daughter from i don't think they mention what illness it is and we don't really need to She's know dying. what illness it is She's dying uh, but some of the things as to why it happens to him just kind of happen um I don't understand why he chose to wear... I know it's the shirt he wears in the comics, but every other villain in this Sony universe, they felt the need to update in some way and make him look a little more modern. Why did they give the Sandman the 1970s look? <laughs> I didn't understand that. Um, so that was a little weird for me. I enjoyed Flint Marco, though. I think he did have some moments that were organic and made sense, but when he actually is turning into Sandman, I thought that was kind of stupid. How are are there these well high paid scientists who have gone to school? They they know all the ins and outs of all this technology. You know, if there's even one percentage of a decimal of something that they might not know in an equation, they're gonna not do a test, right? But then all of a sudden, there's like, oh, there's this thing out in this test field. Oh, it's probably a bird. bird. Let's just let's just kill it. Let's just kill it. What the fuck? Not to mention, not to mention. Well, we'll talk about your favorite part here in a second, but the. uh, He's being pursued by police officers. That's where we first see Flint, is he's running away. Oh, oh cause, <laughs> Please, because yes. guess what? Flint Marco was actually the reason why Ben, who ki- the person who killed Ben, Uncle Ben, not not dude from the first movie. 
Uh, so they're pursuing him. And so he jumps over a fence. We could go back to that other part, Ian, in a sec. But he jumps over a fence. Please do. And all of a sudden, he falls down this, like, ditch thing or, like, in into the experiment, into, like, this pile of sand. The cops are like, where'd he go? Like, he's out of their line of sight, so he just doesn't exist in the real world anymore. It's like a video game. They're just like, oh, he's gone. He must have went home. <laughs> um, but Ian's favorite part, Ian, I'll let you go ahead and... So Flint Marco is running away from these cops, right? And there's a random field in New York for some reason. He was in the city, the the scene before, but randomly he's in this missile silo field, okay? I don't know how the transition happens, but it happens. So he's running, right? Then he gets to the fence, and he's trying to climb the fence. Out of nowhere in the scene, this dog comes up and tries to bite him, and he just punches the dog in the face for no reason whatsoever he could have they they the studio could have just had him like push the dog off of him you know or kind of like have the dog bite his arm oh, briefly no. and then he throws straight the dog off punches that no dog. i i'm just gonna i'm gonna straight up bitch punch this dog i mean just donkey punch him right in the face and then just <laughs> climb he, over a thing hold on. he didn't donkey punch the dog okay he, okay maybe i'm taking, need to be taking place for him to be qualified as a donkey punch but okay okay you're right you're right but he i mean he gives it to that dog man i mean it's, <laughs> it was your violent work, your verbiage it was it was violent the way he attacked that dog. i mean yes at, at it the was point where the dog overly the dog gets well, to he him grabbed, he's he, attacking the dog no, he, okay. the dog isn't attacking him <laughs> the dog's like <laughs> And Doug's like, get off me, dude. Chill, chill out. He's, he's all backing away, like, whoa, what's going on here? He literally grabs the dog. the dog. He grabs the dog by the, like, the, the collar and then just straight up cranks back and clocks the dog <laughs> and then throws the dog. Like, it's aggressive. I, the studio felt the need to be like, even add the effect of the dog. <laughs> like, I, I even made sure at the end of the movie to read through in the credits that no animals were harmed in the making of that film because it was so violent, man. Good God. So he really, I mean, there's not much to him. He never gets the money for his daughter. I don't, that never resolves never itself. Does. His daughter's just going to die. Like, that's just. What... He fades away at the end of the movie. I was thinking like this whole, his whole arc is just like, I need to get money for my daughter. He has his hand on some money. Then Spider-Man seemingly kills him. And then at the end, he's just like, I'm sorry for killing your uncle. I just need your forgiveness. No, dude, you need money still. You still need to get your daughter better. Like, can't you... No, don't worry. I can just fade away. I'll get my money uh, tomorrow. And, and he can fly. He can fly now. So his life's great. Um, yeah, overall, I thought he was great. The uh, But I just, he's so hampered by... Like, what are you doing? But yeah, we sh- so bad. There's not much. There's really only one other big thing to talk about, and I think that encompasses a few other bigger things. So if you're ready, I'd like to talk I'm about ready. the big bad. Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. Yeah, I'm so ready. So Venom is in this movie. I don't know if you know that, because, you know, he shows up, the, the symbiote shows up at minute 25, maybe 30, and then disappears for 30 minutes and then shows up again. Um the big hype of this movie was the black suit Spider-Man. It was the black suit Spider-Man, uh, you know, against the window or like him, like doing the front flips up the building in the trailers. It was like, it was huge. And, um, while we could get into why, I don't think I've ever been more disappointed in my entire life. And this is the reason why I saw this movie three times, because I had to convince myself one that it wasn't as bad as I deep in my heart of hearts knew. And 
I was trying to justify to myself that maybe the jazz scene wasn't as bad as I remembered it every <laughs> single time. I saw this movie three no. times over the course it's of so like bad. two weeks. And I, every single time I was like, maybe, maybe it's just something I'm not getting. Like I really tried to give this a go and I just, I walked away just, no, it's, it's I don't, I don't blame you, Matt, because this is your first, this was probably one of your first renditions since Batman forever and Batman and Robin of a really bad superhero movie. So for you, you probably couldn't believe it. You had seen this studio crank out two solid movies. So at the point of the jazz scene, you were probably so confused. Like, what the fuck is going on here? What the hell is going on? Uh, did you notice? I wanted to mention this real quick and we can circle back to Venom. Uh, Bruce Campbell was the usher yep. in the movie. In I didn't notice one. that until I rewatched this. He's, he... I love that, that they did that. He was great. Yeah, he's evil. That was really he's cool. evil dead for Sam Raimi. He's in every single one. He's the announcer in one. He's the major D in two, and he's or no, he's major D in this one, and then he was the uh, ticket guy, ticket guy in two. Very, very, uh, yeah. In the third one, he's the major uh, D. the French dude, major right? D. Yeah. Um. So, in this movie, when we're talking about the symbiote, I want to talk about the very beginning. How the fuck does Doctor Connors know what it is? Yeah, he's. Did you uh, notice that it's a symbiote and it uh, attaches and latches for life and da 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 da. I know everything about space. You know this meteor that randomly crashed right next to you, Parker? Yeah, I know about it. I knew about it the whole time. I know exactly what it is. And I have one hand missing. What are you going to do about it? It's a weird, weird role he played in that movie, man. Um, so, do you want to talk about the jazz scene for a minute? Because you brought it up briefly. Do you want to, like, share some more I, of your deep, I, darkened, if you, hardened uh, thoughts no, about it? No, because I, I don't have much thoughts about it. Other than I do. Well, no, no, no. I do. Nothing that hasn't been said for me. I think it's summed up in the scene took two month, two weeks to film, and two weeks to film that one scene. Why the fuck would you spend that long on that scene? There is sliding on chairs, jazz hands. No exaggeration. Um, you need to watch it yourself. You need. I'll, I'll insert a you little clip in here. Peter. This is for you. Um, but at one point, Peter utters hot legs to a waitress to get her to get him a seat. Um, there's wind effects in this. It's it's just, it's atrocious. And um, really, really we bad. You should put up a YouTube link just to that part of the movie. No, I don't want to. That's like watching The Ring VHS. It just brings bad things. Um, oh, it's such a bad part. So bad. Yeah, I, the only thing I wanted to mention was the, what you just said about the two weeks of that scene. Good God, man. Ugh, so terrible. So the, uh, we, I guess we talk about Venom and uh, Venom. Peter's portrayal. So if you want to know if Peter's evil, uh, look out for the eyeliner because that immediately happens. Mm-hmm. And for some, some inexplicable choice, they chose to make him emo. That was their updated version of him going bad. Um, so dumb. Why? It's just how does that how does that constitute him being bad? It just it made no the hairstyle. Well, because emos no are bad. His hairstyle like emos that. are bad. Oh my god, so dumb, so stupid. But he, yeah, it's just it. It's really inexplicable, and he kind of goes from being like Peter Parker, Spider Man, you know, kind of a good guy before the Venom thing, to being an asshole all of a sudden. And then when he puts on the suit, all of a sudden he's a major asshole, and it just. There wasn't enough time. This, these movies should have been split up. It should have been culminating with Venom, 
like he has the suit all throughout this movie and it culminates with him losing the suit and then it's done and his story wraps up with Sandman and then all of the next movie is Venom terrorizing him and all that stuff but they had to rush it in here because I don't know the studio wanted Venom in there and can we talk about uh, Avi Arad real quick Mm -hmm. because I did not know who this was until I did some research about this movie oh yeah that's a real Wikipedia treat Uh, uh, in cinematic uh, settings I would agree with you definitely uh, Avi Arad is the person who basically shoehorned Venom into mm-hmm. this movie. He was the one who forced Sam Raimi to put him in this movie. Sam Raimi, am I saying his Raimi. name right? I always Raimi, Raimi. I, I always say Raimi. it weird. Um, he didn't want Venom in this movie, but I didn't really ever feel like his reasoning behind not having Venom in this movie was justified. I thought it was a dumb reason. He said Venom and Carnage lack humanity, which I guess I kind of see what you're saying because in the early '90s comics. They were basically cold-blooded killers, so I get that. Maybe Raimi was thinking, I want to have villains in my movie universe that actually have some depth that I can build upon, kind of like Osborne and uh, the Lizard and Do- and um, Dr. Octavius and things like that. That's my guess, but, you know, because what I was originally reading was Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire only wanted this movie to focus around the Sandman. And I think you could have built a good movie around the Sandman. I think the elements were there, but I think that you definitely see Venom being shoehorned in the movie about halfway through. And it definitely takes away from the movie, you know? Um, So when we get to the end, you're kind of just like, why are these two together? You know? Uh, And I, Oh, man, it, it, it's really disappointing, and I wanted more, honestly, from this movie. I, I thought it had more expectations, but maybe the disagreements between Sam Raimi and Avi Arad, I think is how mm-hmm. you pronounce his name, maybe that's really where the real divide in this movie started. Sure. And from there, you know, there was no hopes in saving it. Yeah, I agree. But what do you think about what do you think about Venom and the final scene? And he, he just got shortchanged. I mean, there's really not much to say for me. It's just, it's it's overall disappointment. I mean, he, you never get a clear cut look at him because I think they rushed some of the CGI. It didn't look very good. Um, the character the portrayal was all over the map. I thought Eddie Brock was fine. Topher Grace was, I think he was fine. Um, I think he just got misused. I mean, they... They forced him to wear that suit. It took him an hour to get out of that suit. So he just, he wouldn't drink water when he was in there. So he didn't have to go to the bathroom. And he, he had to wear those, those fangs. Like, why, why did he have to wear fangs? Like, that's not, that's not a thing. Like when he's Venom, he has fangs. Yeah. But, uh, they just, it really, this is like the purest definition of shoehorning a character in just for the sake of having him in there. Cause he literally out of nowhere shows up, says, Hey, Sandman, you want to kill Spider-Man with me? Cool, let's go. Then he makes a taunting Spider-Man sign, as we all do, and then fights him for like 10 seconds. Like, I thought the ending where he dies is really cool. It was cool. Where he puts the posts in there, and he's like using the the sound. Like, that would have been a great culmination for a fourth movie. Man, there was some elements there, though. And I think I've seen that movie, I think I saw it twice in theaters, and that's what made me go see it the second time. I actually, you know, no lie, I think I walked out and went and t- went to the bathroom at the jazz scene, so I intentionally didn't have to sit through that, and I came back in just to watch the final Ugh, fight between Spider-Man gross. and Venom, because that is a, it, that's a pretty good scene, actually. 
But I don't know. The CGI is kind of lazy when Harry and Spider Man are on his little surfboard thing and they're flying through the sky. Did you did you absolutely love the scene where right before he fights them, he jumps up and there's the American flag right there, and then he just runs right past it. How great was that? I remember even as a kid watching that, rolling my eyes. Wait, what part? Thinking Sorry. there's a scene where when he's there. What's gonna happen? Who's gonna come? Oh, and then out of nowhere, yeah. like, look, it's Spider-Man. Yeah, the media Spider like showing up where they're explaining literally everything that's going on as it's happening uh, was just nothing short of. Um, I want to put this on the poll: Who's better in Spider-Man Three, Topher Grace or James? Franco? Actually, you know what we should do? What another one? I mean, you could do that one, but another good one would be: What's the most cringe, cringy scene in this movie? Um, We'll have to come up with some th- so three ones, but maybe we should talk about that offline for the sake of time. So I got to get running here. But um, that's all, man. That's all I have. This this was uh, just an unmitigated disaster. Um, I was so disappointed. And uh, I it took me three viewings of this film to finally realize, yeah, that was really bad. And I wasted like $21. Terrible, terrible, terrible movie. Um, yeah, I don't have too much more. I, I would I would suggest regardless, it's definitely worth a watch, man. And and at the time when we got these films, these films were great. They really were great, and it was all we had, but now we have the MCU, and these films aren't quite what they were. But who knows, maybe next time Matt and I will review Amazing Spider-Man franchise, and then yeah, we'll those... really get our money's oh, worth. Oh, man. I own the first one. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. You can watch it on FX, like, literally two every is. day they play it. Number two's on there. I did just rewatch oh, it a little bit. Oh, it's two now? Great Swinging. Really is great swing. The action's fantastic in that movie, but everything else is not good. Yeah, really. Bad. But you ready uh, to wrap up this yeah, episode? Yeah, let's wrap up here. Let's talk about what we've been into. Uh, Ian, what have you been into? Alrighty, um, what have I been into? Let's see here been into Magic the Gathering, been rebuilding uh, Commander White deck, and trying to play more at Comics the Gathering, the comic book shop in Tacoma, Washington, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. There's a new Pickle Rick comic that comes out next week for Oni, and I'm going to be picking that up. That is something I'm really excited for, actually. Web of Carnage, or excuse me, Web of Venom Carnage comes out next week as well. First Carnage comic in a couple years, so I'm picking that up. I'm actually getting both covers of that because I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm still slowly reading American Vampire. I have actually been reading a couple issues. It's still really good and fantastic, and I realize I have all the issues in trade form, so I'm happy about that, that I can just compare completely read the story and not have to stop at all. Matt, what are you into then? Uh, just been reading The Six Gun still. That's a Colin Bunn book I mentioned a couple months ago. I uh, just recently got back into it. Also checking out Darth Vader. Uh, that comic continues to exceed every expectation. I love that book. Uh, Darth Vader's, that's probably the best Star Wars book to come out of Marvel. Uh, I think, I don't think I've been reading anything else. Um, no, that, that's that's it pretty much. Um, so Ian, let's talk plugs, but before we do, we've got some giveaway details. Yeah, I'm not going to go through, uh, everything in the giveaway again, cause I've done that a lot. And, uh, honestly, you can find the post to the giveaway on our Twitter page pinned to the very top, but, uh, we're going to be, we had a giveaway for episode 100 that ends on December 15th. There's going to be a first, a second place and a third place winner. 
Uh, third place winner, you're going to be getting a bunch of comics and a Comics the Gathering t-shirt. Second place winner, you're going to be getting some signed comics and also a Comics the Gathering t-shirt. First place winner, you are getting a huge bundle of comics. New number ones, some signed, some unsigned, some signed by Mike Mignola, Brian Michael Bendis, some Rick and Morty comics. You're also going to be getting the Infinity Ring and the Comics the Gathering hoodie. So make sure you are on the lookout for that. It ends December 15th. Go retweet and follow our page to be able to be entered into the giveaway uh that's all i got and uh you want me to just say where you can follow me you want me to just go there yeah, go ahead man uh you can follow me at ian sasquatch on twitter and bigfoot's uncle ian on reddit and the playstation network matt where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at armchair matt and ian where can people follow the show uh, you can follow the show at Earth919Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Earth919Pod. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere that you catch your iTunes, or excuse me, your iTunes, catch your, your iTunes. podcasts. Catch your iTunes. Well, you can catch us on iTunes, too, in case you didn't Gotta know catch that. catch them all. Uh, did you know that? I think you knew it. No, you don't have to catch them all. But you can find us on anywhere that you find your podcast. We will be there. And uh, But any reviews on iTunes, they help us grow, and we do appreciate them. So thank you for that. Uh, with that being said, that's all I got for this week. And Matt, normal programming next week? Yep. Well, we'll get back to comics. It's been a while, but uh, we'll get back to some yep. comics here. Uh, so with that said, that does it for this week. And we'll talk to you next week. And uh, before I go, don't punch any dogs. Thanks. Bye. Peace. Peace.